Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh my god, who are you? Oh, I'm Scott. Oh, oh the fourth gal joins us. <laughs> the fourth gal. <laughs> I gotta say, you have the best Minnesotan accent of any of our guests. Yeah, it's like you're a natural or something. It's almost like I was born here. <laughs> barn and raised. Barn, raised. What were you raised in a barn? No, I was born here. <laughs> barn and a raise. I too was barn in Minnesota and I'm Lucy. Oh my gosh, I was not barn in Minnesota and I'm Amanda. <laughs> we will hold it against you. And you yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Consistently. <laughs> she was moving anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you monster. You Where's the lie? Where the lie? <laughs> Great. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited that we have the fourth gal, Scott, on today for this episode. It's the best. It's oh, the best. I'm so glad to finally be doing this. And Bill's if, here, too. If Bill isn't carrying Get out, fast Bill. food, I will be upset. Bill, did you bring oh. us dinner that I didn't text you oh. and ask you for? Where's my bucket We're of chicken? Get, go back out. Go we'll, back out and get us Taco Bell. We'll get right, to the chicken. Well. Oh, God, no. I don't want to get to the chicken. Well, actually, (laughs) on that note, (laughs) today we have a very, very special fan pick by Stephanie Evans, who wants to dedicate this episode to their gateway gal, Kelly. And Stephanie has- Kelly. Kelly, so 80s. Stephanie and Kelly. Oh, you were born in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephanie wants to uh her Stephanie's fan pick is um fast food crimes. Oh my god. So I, we've been traumatized by chicken nugget crimes. I now, was gonna say I still think about chicken nugget crimes on a regular day. basis. Oh, and I still pink eat chicken nuggets though. Oh, me too. I had chicken oh, yeah. nuggets like two days ago. I'm not giving up. No, it's just something I, just will I be knew traumatized I have to work every time through. I have them. Yeah, I think I just took like four days off from eating chicken nuggets and then jumped right back in. <laughs> yep. I took a sabbatical, a very brief sabbatical. Look, it's better now that I know, actually. Honestly, I I'm feel an informed I'm more informed. Consumer. I'm an informed Thank you. consumer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You took mm-hmm. a nugbatical. <laughs> a nugbatical. <laughs> <laughs> the accuracy, though. Uh, so we had to ask Scott to co-host for this episode because we have a shared appreciation for fast deep. food. It's deep. And, you know, Scott is usually our purse burger or chicken chalupa supreme delivery person. Mm-hmm. So it just mm-hmm. felt the most fitting yeah. to have you here. That's, I'm an actual expert in this arena. You are. And um, I just found a really gross hair on my glass. Ooh. I'm Cute. fine. We're oh good. My. Don't look too closely at your cup. Scott, anyway. Scott, you mentioned an abject tragedy. That happened in your neighborhood recently. Tell us about it. Speaking of fast food crimes. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, I was like, what abject tragedy? We got you. Actual real abject tragedies (laughs) in my neighborhood constantly. Um, (laughs) It is that the McDonald's. So I, I bought a condo and I was like, one of the best parts is 
nary a few blocks from McDonald's. Like a block. Like mm-hmm. the McDonald's down the street is just far enough that I feel okay about getting into my car and going to the drive-thru. Got it. Um, I could walk, but I won't. Yep, yep. Um, Why would you? <laughs> and now I, ha- I don't won't. even have the choice to do either because it's closed. Yeah, it's are they closed. remodeling? It's for remodeling. Okay, but you so know what? she'll be back. I mean, I've been promised and heartbroken before, so... She is one of the last McDee's in the Twin Cities that has not gotten that, like, mega upgrade. Yeah, well, Maybe they're getting a play place. It's always so busy. I don't know why they would upgrade it. I think it's a corporate thing. I think they're making it... It has to be cohesive. They're like the rats that live in the basement need to have... It's part of their union contract now. Correct. They have to have better digs. The rat union is extremely powerful. The rat lobby. The rat lobby. Big, Big rat. rat. Big rat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Big rat-ish. Well, there it is. Anyway, so I am very sad because I frequently wake up. I'm like, you know what? I could really use. I really just want a McDonald's breakfast sandwich. That's really the mm-hmm. only thing I really crave for McDonald's these mm-hmm. days. And it's like now I have to drive many blocks to get one. And that's just too far. Well, I have an abject tragedy that's not related to fast food, but I thought I should bring it up. <laughs> if you fall here for you i think you but i mean <laughs> wait until you hear this and then maybe you won't be here for me anymore okay i have been uh candid about a saga on tiktok and i know that neither of you are like huge tiktok the vagina oh, thing. i think i saw this yes so we all uh, saw it i didn't for, even, i didn't even ask you well for people who are listening who do not know I amanda tried, has a vagina i do have a vagina and i tried this tiktok <laughs> trend that i well like this this hack that i saw on tiktok where you can get um fake nails and then you use like a gel coat and a uv light to adhere the nail to your finger so i made a little video about how i put on these nails and i was like super excited about it then somebody was like oh my gosh you should come back with an update about how long they last i was like i will do that and then the next day i went to take out my menstrual cup and i took the cup out and i rinsed it and i you know went to put the cup back in and noticed that my nail that i used to take out the cup was gone no longer on my this is a new set baby new set so i panicked momentarily looked in the toilet bowl couldn't see anything but the toilet bowl ran red with the blood of my menstruation so even if i even if it was in the toilet bowl i probably wouldn't have been able to see it so i was like eh, i don't think it's in there it's probably fine i got shit to do put the cup back in whatever next day i haven't stopped thinking about it I pulled the cup out. Still no nail. I figured if the nail was in there, the suction of the removal of the cup might like have taken your, it out. In your canal. Vagina. In your canal. Yeah, okay, honey. Yeah. I, thought, your, I just like, suddenly canal. struggled with anatomy. Yeah. Remember that one time we like looked at female anatomy and we're like, wait, what? What? That's in me? Yeah. How does that work? Anyway, somewhere in my anatomy potentially is a fake nail, but <laughs> I have come to the but conclusion. But it's still adhered, maybe. No, it's she's loose. Does the gel work? What if you UV lighted down there? Oh my god, I won't be doing. I'm that. here to help you. No, oh, thank you. It's like a Bill- vagina dentata situation, but with nails. Ah! It's a vent. It's yeah. It's a vagina nail tata. Mm-hmm. But I Ooh, did like take a tata ish. I did take Yum. a bath last night and I digitally researched and I came up empty-handed so i think we're safe so you've lost all the rest of your nails and all of my empty-handed. nails are, I, I did have that moment where i was like oh my god i'm gonna lose another fucking the remaining nail there, four but, were but gone. these are still on <laughs> so anyway that's my uh, that's my cup date for Great. everyone 
Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank You're welcome. You. Thank you. Cheers. Should we drink now? I know that. Yeah, let's drink now and also just get back to the fast food because right, oh, right, right. that had nothing right. to do with. I know it had everything to do with it, if you really think and about everything. it. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. eat with your hands. Yeah, if we, dig, if we dig, if we dig, pardon the pun, but if we dig far enough, we'll we'll, we'll find a meaning. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Man. You might find it if you like dig deep enough. Amanda, please, for the love of God, what's our wine crime pairing? For yes. Fast okay. Food so our fan picker recommended a beverage that I, I didn't, I didn't get. I just I don't know what it was. I She's too busy with her nail. I was busy trying to figure out if there was a nail in my vagina. So that's mm-hmm. how I'm linking this. I was too stressed. Mm-hmm. I was too stressed. But I wanted to celebrate. Scott being here. Yes. And okay. I did get some sparkling Prosecco Rosé in my wink box. Yummers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so thirsty. Uh, yeah. So we're going to pop this open. This is Wink's Pizzolato Fields Prosecco Frizzante Rosé. Pizza Fields is what Pizza I heard. Fields. Pizza Fields. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And Pizza she, Fields forever. Pizza Fields forever. She's beautiful. She's medium bodied. She's 11% ABV. So on the lighter side, mm-hmm. she's going to have tasting notes of peach rings, pear. <gasps> Scott's favorite. Literal pe- I do love peach rings. Scott loves peach <laughs> rings. A little bit of pineapple. It's got kind of a floral nose. I mean, it's so good. Who doesn't love Prosecco? There's also that like TikTok thing that's like, what's a drink of choice? Oh, a Negroni, Spagliato with Prosecco in it. It's on lesbian TikTok. You're clearly not on lesbian TikTok. Anyway, it's, it's, from, it's from House of the Dragon like uh, side. It's the, oh. it's the actor who plays older Rhaenyra. Got it. Yes. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I am very, very excited about it. And... It's also only four grams of carbs per serving. <gasps> Good, because I, I already know. wasn't going to take insulin for Absolutely it. not. Why would we? <laughs> oh, my God. The, the diabetics have so joined forces. Yeah. Diabetics have entered the chat. Bill's here and will catch us when we pass out. Bill is here and has caught me when I passed out. So mm, uh, Scott was also very wise to point out that this beautiful bottle pairs well with shellfish, sushi, fruits, and fries. Fries. Like fries. From fries. fast food exactly. restaurants. There does it is. say the that on the bottle? It, it does. It does say it on the bottle, but it says it, it says in the wink. fruits and fries. I thought it said fruit flies at Fruit first. flies. Pairs great with fruit flies. flies. It says mm. it on the Wink website. And if you are not already loving Wink, you should check them out. They're an online wine club that delivers wine directly to your door. And you can get 20 bucks off your first box if you head to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash gals. Um, Scott, would you like to hold my mic while I try to open this without killing you? Sure. Protect your good eye. Oh, God. I have neither good eye. (laughs) Well, then just let her rip. I have such anxiety about opening a sparkling wine it gives yeah no i'm fully afraid right now give me some xanax well yeah i just feel like this is i you know i have that like fear of like dying in bizarre ways this is one of those ways that i'm pretty sure i would die yeah all right point this kind of right here and i'm Mm. gonna right into my eye it's not in your eye okay ready i'm not gonna hit you with it oh god i'm not (laughs) (laughs) nice pop pop. it's a nice pop 
fucking relax. terrifying. <laughs> the counter, it's like, I'm like uh, Nathan Lane from The Bird Cage. You are. Yeah. Yeah. I have your glass and I'll pour you a little. Oh, okay. One must have a hint of color. A hint of color? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Agador Spartacus. Agador. Bill's our Agador Spartacus. He is. I love that you guys are drinking out of your Smurf glasses. I know. All of my, I clearly need to it's register so for good. wine glasses, obviously. No, you don't. I mean, in my experience, you get wine glasses, you break them. I know. I've mm-hmm. broken all of my wine glasses. Like, that's what they're meant for. That's what it's the wine glass lobby. It is. Keeping big us. wine. Big wine. Big glass. Big glass. I'll big just leave it here for when we need to top Are off. Are you drinking something, Lucy? Cheers. Uh, I'm currently drinking ice water because I had three drinks before we started with my lovely nice. friend Ben. Hi, Ben. Ooh, hi, Ben. We love Ben. We really do. Ben's, well, Ben's all right. I love it. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Goodwill, like that's like dream life. That is the dream life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the dream life, Lucy, do you want to give us our background in psych on fast food crimes? I sure fucking do. And yes, I do have psych. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So fast food is a type of mass-produced food designed for commercial resale with a strong priority placed on speed of service. I don't like resale. I like to imagine it's made fresh. I like a pre-sale. Nobody's slaughtering cows out back of McDonald's. Okay. Well, maybe <laughs> they will the legally. new remodeled one next to Oh my to God, me. what if they put a They have a stockyard. It's farm to table. Ah! <laughs> it's Minneapolis' first farm to table McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most uh, bloody, grotesque, violent. Pink slime. Oh, God. (laughs) I would still eat there, though. Yes, of course. I couldn't stop myself. Chicken nuggies. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Chicken nuggies. It would would smell so bad. Like it doesn't already. You'd have to have a... like a beef slaughterhouse, a fishery, and like a chicken coop. And pig pot. Pig Pigsty, pig pants, McRib era, like that's a oh, shamrock yeah, shake. Oh my god, the slaughtering of the shamrocks! <laughs> <laughs> All those leprechauns. There's green blood oh. everywhere. Oh, <laughs> I would still eat it. Hate I it. Would. I hate Absolutely, it. I love yes, it. And I hate it. Mm. All right, continue. So, fast food is a commercial term limited to food sold in a restaurant or store with frozen, preheated, or pre-cooked ingredients and served in packaging for takeout or takeaway. Okay. Fast, fast food was created as a commercial strategy to accommodate large numbers of busy commuters, travelers, and wage workers. In 2018, the fast food industry was worth an estimated $570 billion globally. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's like an amount of money that I could never even picture and somehow seems low considering. I know. I'm thinking that too. How does that compare to other things? Can you do some quick research right now and find out? (laughs) Right now, as we record, the Powerball jackpot is at $1.5 billion. Bill oh. bought Powerball tickets for the first time probably ever. So, so did we I. Have th- you did? Oh. I have f- four. We're splitting it among some other people. Probably should put that in writing before Saturday, but, you know, Meh. whatever. Yeah, we did the same. Bill did the same thing. He got, like, three or four of them. He has another friend who got a couple. Ooh, I can't wait for this to ruin your relationship. Oh, yeah. When you win. Well, absolutely. Because it, like, it'll be his ticket and exactly. he won't let me have anything. I'm taking the lotto ticket. I'm taking ass. the dog. 
dumbass. <laughs> I was talking to somebody about like, oh, it's $1.5 billion. And they were like, yeah, but like how much do they take out for taxes? And I'm Who like, cares? it's a $1.50 ticket. If yeah. I walked away with $5, I'm not I'd complaining. Be happy. Right, <laughs> like, right. They yeah, take you out plenty w- in taxes, but you're left with enough to never work again. Like maybe you generations. Can't take, maybe you can't take like the Amazon penis rocket to space, but like sorry, you're gonna miss out on that one ex- <laughs> life experience. There will be there will be other penis rockets. Yes. Yeah. Just take the earthbound penis rocket. Yuck. Oh my god. Yuck. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's been a minute. I'm excited about that. <laughs> A Gallup survey showed 80% of Americans eat at fast food chains at least once a month. Which also and that 20% seems were lying or babies. <laughs> babies. 20% are babies and can't chew. Mm-hmm. Of course, restaurants has, have been around in some form since humans have lived in like developed societies. But it wasn't until the development of the U.S. highway system in the 1950s and 60s that fast food fast food gained a foothold in American culture. Got it. Makes sense. Technically, White Castle was the first fast food restaurant founded in 1921 in <gasps> Wichita, Kansas. Oh, my, my God. God. Is that why they use steam? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I'm just making be. that up. It's from the steam engines that they took across the country. I hate yeah, you. Sure, the Transcontinental not? Railroad was the very first White Castle. They yes, just dropped okay. off steam on the way, and that cooked the burgers. This is, uh, this this is a really spot great on. idea. Yeah, spot on. I yep. am a historian. Yep. An historian. An historian. An historian. An. <laughs> At the time, most people considered the burgers sold at fairs, circuses, lunch counters, and carts to be low quality. Like, burgers were just like, ugh, burgers. Mm. Many people thought hamburger came from slaughterhouse scraps and spoiled meat. Fine with me. But White Castle's- delicious. <laughs> well, White Castle's founders decided to change the public's perception of hamburgers. They mm. built their restaurants so that customers could see the food being prepared- People, so like open kitchen? Yeah. People love to watch. concept. They love to watch the assembly line style cooking um, down to the griddle being packed with square buns and patties. So it's highly efficient. I've never been to a White Castle. Is it still open concept now? Because that's kind of bold. I don't know that it based? is. Okay. I don't. I don't think it is. But the fact that their burgers are square and their buns are square make the cooking way more efficient. I get so, it, but I don't like it. Well, even it I mean, freaks just me out. At the time, people were like, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing the beef. It doesn't look spoiled. Mm-hmm. We're being highly efficient. I'm getting my food in like under a couple minutes. Yep. So this just changed the public perception of burgers specifically. That's and cool. also just ushered in fast food because most fast food era. is like kind of centered around burgers mm-hmm. when did chicken rings come in oh chicken so, rings that's oh, the only yeah. thing that i'll actually get at white castle that's like a white castle it's the thing, thing that will give me the littlest amount of diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i've only been to a white castle once in my life i've never been to a white castle there was one by my old apartment when i was in college mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, there was one I'd near my old place through. in northeast on central Oh, that's the one that I was talking about. Got it. Oh but God, I, it's the same one. Oh, my God. We're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> but you went there and I didn't because oh, you're okay. gross and I'm well. not. <laughs> there it is. 
We've pinpointed why. Jesus. <laughs> Got to it. <laughs> so the owners painted the buildings white and even chose a name that suggested cleanliness. White Castle. Regal. Okay. White Castle was most popular in the American East and Midwest, but its success helped give hamburger meat a better reputation nationwide. So, like cars, White Castle played an important part in the development of fast food. Wow. By the late getting their due. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the late 1960s, fast food had pretty much saturated in uh, saturated the suburbs. And began to pop up in more urban areas. And this is from an article in the Smithsonian. Quote, this had a lot to do with the civil rights era, which is a fascinating sort of intersection in the story. Black-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, they were hoping to create economic bases in city centers where white flight and a lot of other social factors, such as the building of the highways, had divided communities. Yep. Fast food was seen by activists and by the government, which would ultimately issue loans to help small businesses open fast food chains as a solution to the problem. Mm, the actual that's so interesting. That is I know interesting. that's so too. The actual benefit or attraction of opening a fast food restaurant is self-evident. It's familiar, it's easily reproduced, and it's popular and relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Its profit margins are higher than a lot of other businesses, particularly grocery stores. Mm. Oh, interesting. So this kind of created a perfect soup of all of these competing factors that united to help spread fast food within urban centers, and that's where they took off. And that is also why there are food deserts in the areas yep. where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it did have long-standing negative effects but they did start from the suburbs and grow come into the cities Mm -hmm. so if you're wondering what uh the least healthy fast food chains might be okay what could they be i can't wait to know about the most healthy fast food chains oh um if they're not on this list they're healthy that's what i'm saying okay if they're not on this list they're healthy. What do you think is on this list? What do you think is number one on this list? Of least healthy? Least, least healthy healthy. or most healthy? Of least healthy, I'd say McDonald's. Uh oh. Um, where's where's their like nacho cheese? Taco Bell. Mm. Okay. Those are okay. All right. Oh, well, that feels like a judgmental all right, but okay. I mean, I had but okay. Taco all right. no, Bell for lunch it. today, but whatever. I'm hoping Taco I'm Bell's still... not on the list because that's the one that I pretend is healthy. So, so that's gonna... the one that I deli- have delivered to me by Uber Eats when I'm high and sad mm-hmm. or high and happy. <laughs> or happy. <laughs> or, or, sad. or happy or, or sad or, or high. <laughs> Alive. <laughs> if I'm breathing. Yeah. Okay. So number 10. This is the top 10. Number 10. Coming in at number 10. Burger King. Okay, so Burger King is, is the most healthy no. of, of this list. Well, of, of this, this list. list, yeah. Of, okay. of yeah, yeah. Burger King is the most healthy of the list of the 10 least healthy fast yes. food chains. That just made Correct. my brain pretzel. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but and I think we do get money from Burger King by saying that. Now, I think right? we do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, by the way, I think this is just like a like summation of all of the calories and trans yeah. fat and saturated fat and blah 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 on their whole menu yep okay and salt that's the that's the that's Salt's the, the real killer yeah and sugar there's a lot mm. of sugar and like savory things which is yeah. weird but whatever mm-hmm. number nine is checkers never been to a checkers i don't even know if i've even heard yeah, of what checkers. is that 
I don't know. Chubby checkers? <laughs> Amanda, maybe on our uh, road trip next week, we'll find out. Let's look for a checkers. Mm. Amanda and I are driving from New Jersey to Minneapolis and just taking a casual swing down through Louisville. <laughs> and we are mapping our entire route by how many Waffle Houses we can go to. Yes. Also, world's largest basket. And now checkers. Yeah. And the world's <laughs> largest basket. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Yep. Need mm-hmm. need that. Gotta stop for the best. basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, we have Chick-fil-A. Okay. Absolutely hate the way that they spell their name. Well, and Chick-fil-A hates the gays, so fuck Chick-fil-A. I, fuck all, Chick-fil-A. all of their politics are quite actually terrible. Deplorable, yeah. And their grammar and spelling. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> Number seven actually was surprising to me. Number seven is Wendy's. Wow. Oh, I always thought of Wendy's sad. as more of a healthier fast food. You know, best that maybe was true in the past, but as somebody who goes to Wendy's pretty frequently... Oh. A connoisseur, if you will. Uh, I know some your, things about Wendy's. Your bowels are like, Sir, you know. this is a Wendy's. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> um, I, they're, they're very salty, um, quite delicious, and uh, there's always an add-on of a Frosty, because if you don't just oh. also get a... I think that's the main part. It's like, you know, here's an extra, like, 800 Why not calories. ice cream to exactly. dip your chicken nuggets and yep. fries in, mm-hmm. which is the best why are we doing this right now i don't know what the fuck we were thinking by bill. not getting a bill go get us Wendy's and frosty we well when you said frosty. scott was coming over to your house i assumed you'd have a smorgasbord of all oh, of this food oh, there's a Corey behind you. <laughs> it's dr the fell fuck out of here oh my God. that scared me that was an authentic scream that was so scary Ray, protect us. Ray, come here. I got really confused because he showed up in the Skype, and for some reason I was like, this is a mirror. It's Bill, he's behind us. I was like, I was like, like, wait, there's a vampire. I thought we were just talking about ice cream, and you started yelling about Corey. Tall man's behind you. (laughs) That was disgusting. That was horrific. Corey, you're fired. Bring her McDonald's as recompense. And then bring it to us. I had so much Taco Bell for lunch. I can't eat. I'm not eating for the rest of the night. It was too much. (laughs) Okay, number six, Jack in the Box. Wait, so is this getting healthier or less healthy? Less healthy. Less healthy. Okay, okay. Jack in the Box also have never been. Mm -mm. I don't think I've ever been either. I've never been either. Isn't that like a big thing in Canada? I don't know. No, I'm thinking of Tim Hortons. Horrific mascot. It's like a big It's so scary. It's a ball with a nose and a hat. I hate it. Ping pong ball. I was thinking of Tim Hortons at that Canadian, but no. Jack in the Box, ew. Next. Number five, Arby's. Not surprising. Oh, they, they do have, have the meats. meats. I like and the meat sweats. I forget that Arby's like exists. I forget that they exist until I want those curly fries. They do have the best fries. And horses. And sauce. somebody for Halloween dressed up as the Minneapolis Arby's on fire during the uprising, oh. which was a really amazing <laughs> That's costume. really good. I love yeah. that. That's a really good costume. Was it a couple's it. costume with the umbrella man? I think it might have been, actually. Oh, my fucking umbrella man. If you know who he is, turn him in. Jesus Anyway, continue. Okay, number four. Also shocking, Quiznos. Really? If you can even Uh, call that fast food, because they don't even have drive-thrus usually, I don't think. I've never seen a Quiznos drive-thru. Yeah, but it's fast. It is. It's It's closer to fast casual. It's closer to, like, Subway, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, Subway is still fast food. Mm -hmm. Also, Bill just texted me from the other room to let us know that they sell Arby's fries in the freezer section at Target. Shut the fuck up. Okay, that's only relevant if you have them right now. Yeah, Bill. 
Stop giving us information and not fries. Where's Rude. the horsey sauce? If there's Where no horsey, horsey sauce, sauce, I don't want anything to do with it. Also, I love you. Thank you for that hot tip. Number three. <gasps> what a burger. What? I've never been. Wow, what is that? I what don't. the hell is that? I always get it mixed up with Wahlburgers, but it's not Wahlburgers. Oh, my God. I super thought it was Wahlburgers until you just said that. It's not. It's Whataburger. It's different. Oh, but never it's had it. And it's nothing but a burger. What a burger. <laughs> okay, number two, Carl's Jr. Is mm. it related to Hardee's? Is it Hardee's child? They're always connected. It's sort of like those combination Pizza Hut Taco Bells. There's like yeah. always a Hardee's like, and a Carl's a, Jr. There's a connection there. It's the yeah. same there's like some... logo. Maybe they just have been, maybe they're just owned by the same company now. Same parent company. It's a monopoly, I tell ya. Well, yeah. Oh, a monopoly. I love monopoly. I know you Big were burger. really into McDonald's monopoly. I really fucking was. <laughs> Thank you for seeing Bring me fully. back the monopoly. Honestly, do you remember the pull tabs I used to give out at McDonald's? No. no. There were straight up pull tabs that you like pulled off the lid of your like McMuffin container. Yeah, that was monopoly. Yeah, that was monopoly. No, that was McDonald's no, monopoly. It was different. It was different. It was like a pull tab. I think you're having like a Berenstein Bears moment. No, I think someone out both. there will know. Someone out yeah, there will know. Someone. I mean, they. I know they did that during the Monopoly where it would come on your thingy and you'd pull it off and yeah, see what you want. It was like want. the ASMR of like, zzz, mm-hmm. and then like trust. We remember. But remember. this had nothing to do with Monopoly. You didn't collect them. You didn't build a board. It was only an instant win thing. And it was just a straight oh. up pull tab. Well, they did have instant wins during McDonald's Monopoly. So we We, may both be right in combining the same thing. I think I'm right, but we'll wait (laughs) for the emails to flood in. And we'll put them in Kenyon's folder. (laughs) She isn't here. She'll never listen to this episode. Okay. Uh Coming in at number one. Any guesses? Any guesses? Number one. Taco Bell. Least healthy. No, I don't think Taco Bell could be the least healthy. White Castle? We haven't heard White Castle. Why? I'm going to go. Well, wait, we haven't heard McDonald's yet either. McDonald's either. McDonald's. Yeah, probably McDonald's. I'm going to go Taco Bell. I'm going to go big. Okay. Okay. Number one, least healthy fast food restaurant in the U.S. is Sonic. (gasps) No. I finally went to a Sonic. I'd never been to a Sonic. And they were like, here's all these add ins you can get. Sonic is so gross. I want a slushie. And it's like, do you want to add 3,000 more calories to this? And I was like, yes, I do. This makes sense. Yeah, totally. Wear roller skates, you guys. (laughs) The one I went to, they didn't even have anything open outside. It was very sad. I love living in Minnesota. God. It's it's desolate. So, a little little more info about Sonic. The average Sonic burger, for example, has. Made of hedgehog. Oh my god, I wish. It's blue. <laughs> Has 780 calories, which is roughly 300 calories more than the average burger on a McDonald's menu. Wow. And okay. I'm feeling a lot better about my monthly McDonald's run these mm-hmm. days. I'm making good choices. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And ten- I don't live really close to one, though. Oh, well, me either. I put, the thing is, okay, these are the two. T- <laughs> Proximity fair. has nothing to do with this. The two times I usually go to McDonald's are once. <laughs> it's so bad, you guys. Once a month when I'm picking up my prescriptions because the Walgreens is right down the yep. street from that Hiawatha yep. McDonald's. And you deserve a treat for yep. being 
chronically ill for being chronically ill <laughs> and i double deserve a treat for being chronically ill because i go to that park nicolet st louis park endocrinologist and there's a mcdonald's right in there. the parking lot yeah no of our doctor's truly, office yes i do the exact we same don't have thing. the same doctor but we do, do go we? to the same no, office yeah, yeah, yeah i know yeah. exactly what mcdonald's you're oh, talking about so yeah. basically when i'm picking up my diabetes medication or going in to be told that my a1c is too high both times i'm getting yep. mcdonald's yep. <laughs> i truly need was a like, reward well, like, i deserve this this is what i deserve they poked me and they made me take my weight Ew. i'm getting mcdonald's yeah no it's that's horrible Anyway, um, also 10 burgers on the Sonic menu have more than 1100 calories each. Wow. The restaurant is, it's a lot. The restaurant is also among the most likely to have an above average level of trans fat. Nearly half of Sonic meal items have at least one gram of trans fat, and some items have as many as 3.5 grams. Whereas most menu items among fast food restaurants in general have zero trans fat. So, Interesting. Because everybody tried to get rid of them at one point. And also, right? like, what's what's the difference? There's some kind of fat coming in. I don't know. I'm not a registered Who dietitian. cares if she's trans? <laughs> we trans don't need to worry about that. Yes. <laughs> so, like I said, I do have some psych for us today. Here oh, are God. 10 psychological tricks that fast food companies use Here's to get Scott you... Artley's. Psychological profile. Oh, yes. oh, God. In in fast food language. Okay, sorry. Actually, Ten psychological tricks. You are exemplifying ah! at least one of these right now. I'm very excited. So this is from Business Insider. Number one, paint the place red. You're wearing <gasps> red. I'm gonna eat you. I'm gonna eat you. I love this sweatshirt though, Isn't with the funny? bears on it. It's it has so cute. Eleven hidden black bears on it. Eleven? It's like a. It's I found like them. A Where's Waldo? Oh yeah, I found you found them. them. You found them right away. Like it's. Kind you of keep freaky. going. I'm gonna look at the bears. Okay. So color theory isn't the most exact science, but its assertion that red acts as an appetite stimulant seems to hold up. The most popular color for food packaging. Red raises blood pressure, heart rate, and people's desire to eat. Everything in sight, similar to a hibernating bear or about yep. to be hibernating bear. Yep. Hence its use in tablecloths and other forms of restaurant decor. Similarly, warm hues like orange, yellow, and pink get the job done as well. Okay. How, how many bears are you Seven. at right now? Seven bears. Found the tree bear. Psychological fact number two, smell good, eat more. So given mm. how much of taste is made up of smell... It shouldn't come as much of a surprise that aroma can have a pretty strong influence on what and when we eat. That's why one of a food court, uh, one of a food court restaurant's greatest weapon is its scent. There's no better advertisement or incentive for potential customers to shell out some cash. For example, Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Oh. I was literally going to say that. That was like the one. I went to a mall recently this past weekend. We walked around. We we're like, we smell Cinnabon. And we like literally, we were like a you cartoon. You smell over a city block away. You yeah. smell we it. could not find. There was no Cinnabon. I. It was like ghost Cinnabon. What? Oh, I don't like that. Ghost in the Cinnabon. I gave up after nine bears, okay, but I well, believe you that I'll there point are them out. Okay. There There's one right are... here. <gasps> <gasps> Just kidding. I don't identify as a bear, but... I, and I don't really like bear culture, but I will benefit from it. Are God you an bless. otter? And I do. I'm not any animal. No, you know what I am? 
I'm a red panda. A red naked squirrel. mole rat. No, I'm a red squirrel. <gasps> oh, cute. Oh, but you are kind of a red panda. Like, you look like a also red panda. Also a red panda. panda. I do really actually look like a red panda. <laughs> I love that for you. It's Spot the cutest the animal in the animal I'm kingdom. endangered. Oh, my God. I am I endangered. I am endangered. <laughs> <laughs> red panda, you endangered girl. You endangered girl. <laughs> <laughs> red panda, you endangered girl. You endangered girl. <laughs> It's autumn sunrise. That's really good. Yeah. Also, we need to watch Ghost. Do I have merch now? You might. Anyway. You like it? It's autumn sunrise. <laughs> okay. Number three, psychological trick number three, food porn. Because fi- mm. pictures speak louder than words and showing a burger or drink or whatever does more to sell than just a name on a menu board. Of course. That's that- why there's pictures on the on the thing, right? On yep. the ordering Okay. And of probably why all of their fucking advertising is like sexy slow-mos of like a drippy, cheesy, mm, yeah. flame broiled. I'm actually like, Bill? I'm going to Postmates us a bunch of Taco Bell. Okay, thank you. Nice. On uh, the of company course, card. Of course, that's <laughs> for work. Oh, I didn't know I could charge my lunch. No. Well, I bad. don't have the company card connected to my Postmates or our account Yet. would have sent me to jail a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. We have a whole road trip coming up. It's happening. This feels like a valid use of company dollars. I agree. We can write it off. Continue. So, of course, that Whopper looks nothing like the one that comes out of the drive through window. But, of, of course, at that point, you've already been sold. It doesn't matter that it looks like total shit once you get it. <laughs> True. Number four, a 2012 study from Cornell University. Ever heard of it? Yes. Found- my parents went there. <laughs> Found that I've heard Cornell is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's Cornell. Okay. Ithaca is a big lump of knobs. Okay. (laughs) Cornell found that the dulcet tones of classical music, smooth jazz, and the like leads to diners sticking around longer and eating less, which means that in it's in a restaurant's best interest to blast the music loud and keep the tempo high ensuring turnover on precious real estate and instilling a sense of urgency, leading patrons to chow down as quickly as possible. Not the best move for customers' waistlines, but it is great for the restaurant's budgets. Yeah, it's like Katy Perry makes you just want to chomp down and get out. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, number five, meal deals. Mm, I'm looking at some right now. I know. A burger, fries, and soda pop combo may cost less than a burger, fries, and pop ordered separately, but it still means more money for the restaurant than an order of just a burger or even a burger and fries. It's mm. the best of both worlds. The customer thinks they've scored a deal while the restaurant moves an extra vending machine's worth of Coke every day. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. That's a lot. They that just sell great. more product gets out the door. And despite like no matter how you package it. They're still making more money and they're still offloading a bunch more products. That's the one thing about Taco Bell that is upsetting. That while the Baja Blast is phenomenal, it is a Pepsi restaurant. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. It bothers me. When I'm going to consume a million calories, I'm going to save it on getting some pretend sugar in me that ultimately will still mess up my body. Yeah. Mainlining that sweet, sweet fructose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number six, bright lights. Mood lighting may provide ambiance, but fluorescence, or at least full lighting, sends the same grab-the-food-and-go message that cranked-up high-tempo music does. Mm-hmm. 
GTFO through lights. So, for example, at Chipotle, everything is like stainless steel and highly reflective, which A, makes it seem cleaner and B, Mm. just bounces more light around. It makes you want to get the fuck out of there sooner. Mm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Number seven, keep your options limited, but not too limited. Formulating a fast food menu is something of a Goldilocks game. Too many options and customers are overwhelmed. Too few and they don't feel like there's enough to choose from. So Mm. the the sweet spot for casual joints, according to a study published by UK's Bournemouth University, is somewhere around six items per menu category. Fine dining establishments can go up to about seven to ten. Okay. That's that was it. I, when I was at Sonic, I was overwhelmed by the number of choices. It's too and much. it actually it was too much. I actually so here's where I go to my actual expertise. I was an anthropology major, and one of my um, one of the people in my department was like famous for studying uh, post Cold War Russia and like the sudden Whoa. movement into capitalism. And there was this like iconic image of all these old ladies, like at the supermarket being like, I don't know what laundry detergent to choose. Like oh, I didn't have choices before. And okay. they just sort of like stare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that is capitalism mama where it's like, there's there actually it is. too many choices. There yeah. it is. Are you just trusting me to order a bunch of Taco Bell? Yeah, okay, I can't good. multitask Got like it. that right now. Got it. Don't Do you want me to tell you my order it? today? If it influences you at all? Yeah. What did you get? I got the number six, which was two chalupa, chicken chalupa supremes and a hard Supreme, shell taco, obvious. obviously. Mm-hmm. Who I have would that. order a chalupa and not supreme it? I know. That's just it bizarre. It shouldn't even exist. No, it really shouldn't. Also, a side of Fiesta potatoes and also an extra chicken quesadilla because those reheat really mm. well. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. Not that we're really going to need to reheat anything. Yeah, no. I know I us. want nachos and cheese. Like I feel like it's such Done. a weird getting a nachos bell grande. I also got a vegetarian Mexican pizza, which is back on the menu. <sighs> wow. Nice. Nice. Honey, nice. I will take good yeah, you know effing care doing, of you. Right? Yeah. I, this ain't I, my I first radio. You. I trust you. Radio. Radio. <laughs> nachos bell grande ad. I love it. our whole relationship is just repeating radio and like weird things that we said and then yep. other people just Send you money for Our force, now, yeah. so wild. You're wild welcome. You're welcome. Okay, trick number eight, descriptions. Mm. For every kind of food, there's a whole set of cliched adjectives to describe it. So coffees are aromatic. Beef sizzles. Mm. Ice cream is rich. Mm. Including some descriptive copy adds extra appeal to a dish, and ethnic-sounding names can bring an aura of authenticity. So... When you go to Chipotle, for example, you want like uh, b- like barbacoa or something like yep. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what it is, maybe, but you're like, oh, yeah, that is authentic. It must I'll be have fresh. have barbacoa. 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 Okay. Number nine, same dish, different sizes. So this is a form of the bracketing effect, whereby providing two different prices for the same item makes the lower price look more affordable by comparison especially when the higher price for an item is so absurdly large that most people won't order it anyway. So, for example, a venti Mm -hmm. coffee drink at Starbucks. Too big. It's too big. Yeah. It's not anything you want. I get it all the time. My caffeine addiction knows no bounds. Do you know there's an even larger than a venti? I can't even remember what it's called. I found it online. I was like, this is ridiculous. Super venti. I will have one. I think it is a trenti. <laughs> I, I made refuse, that up. <laughs> I refuse to use the Starbucks. Logo. I know. I was like, I'll have a large. I, I always 
Yeah. You small and I sometimes large. I feel like they give me a little wink, like, yeah, you don't buy into this no. shit either. I know. No. Yeah. I've ordered cool like a I've ordered like a regular man. Like a small or whatever I was ordering, and they're like, Do you mean a I don't even know the other sizes. Like, do you mean a venti? Like, no, um, I mean a small yibit. Whatever the smallest one is, I want to get it and get the fuck out of here as soon as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Katy Perry soundtrack. Exactly. Effect. So these smaller items generally yield more profit. So if people don't order the big ones, it doesn't matter. They're just try- they're trying to sell the small ones anyway because that's they're more profitable. Right. And number 10, manipulating the menu design. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of tricks outlined by William Poundstone in his 2010 book, Priceless, The Myth of Fair Value and How to Take Advantage of It. Most Ooh. of them employ classic visual misdirection, such as placing high-priced items in the top right corner, because that's where the human eye goes to first, and quote-unquote burying the cheap or less profitable items in the bottom left. Okay. So, And also simply making an item bigger or putting a box around it has the power to boost its sales exponentially. Yeah. Wow. Because you, you think it's special. It's limited time. It's like their featured thing. There but is no, they no just, such thing as free will, a, honey. There's just a box around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're boxed in by our own psychology. We are just tragic meat computers. Programmed to function and eat poorly. Potatoes. Oh, I mm. didn't order fiesta potatoes. Oh, they're not okay. that that's good, honestly. They're not that good. I gotta really say, not. my fiesta potatoes earlier they had the nacho cheese sauce, and the nacho cheese sauce was a little, um, shall we say, it can sour? Be a bit much. Yeah, it can be a bit mm. much. It Tell me about really, all of your regrets. It was really like stadium style queso. Yeah. Mm, not great. I kind of like that. I kind of like well, that. Well, we'll have some of that on our nachos bill grande. So okay. it's not like you're not going to get any stadium have, style case. Do we have an ETA? I need to also take some insulin. Like a half hour ish. Okay, perfect. Um, also, yeah. speaking of Taco Bell, I brought yeah. this out. I wanted to show you my dish of Diablo sauce oh, I that I just. Oh. I keep this in my kitchen because I love Diablo sauce. Shit. Oh. I have about 30. I, I have up. about thir- 25, 30 packets of Diablo sauce right here. Wow. I will never financially recover from this. Well, that's fair. Maybe you could call and have them throw I it in I'll see if I can calls. contact my driver. Do they take call? They anyway. might take a message. Maybe. I'll figure this out. Okay. So. Do we really want fast food to be healthier? Like what with the plant-based Burger King burger, which I haven't tried, but I'd totally be willing to. There are some like meatless burgers that are delicious. Mm -hmm. But uh, in in general, people don't respond too well to suggestions (laughs) of making American fast food any healthier. Yeah. So in an interview with Smithsonian – this is what author Adam Chandler had to say. Not Adam Sandler, Adam Chandler. Chandler. Got it. There have been efforts across the decades to push fast food to change. In the 1990s, Kentucky Fried Chicken shortened its name to KFC because the word fried was actually considered to be a, a bad word. Ooh, huh. Ooh. Ah. So in in Adam Sandler's book, uh, he talks with journalist Michael Pollan about him having oh, conversations with you some of Michael his. Pollen? What? We're best friends. I'm best friends with Michael Pollan. You've heard of Michael Pollan's no, work? I've heard. I've literally read a book by Michael Pollan. Oh, have you I, not? I know, I know nothing of Jon Snow. 
Oh, Michael Pollan's written a bunch of books about food and production and plant-based diets and things like that. Never heard of him. Continue. Attracts uh, to diet, though. Sure so. does. He's a He's got a bunch of really good books. Anyway, talked with Michael Pollan about him having conversations with some of his acolytes and his followers, basically asking them, how would you feel if one day you woke up and McDonald's was all organic, no GMO, and no high fructose corn syrup? And the people responded that they would be disappointed. So there's an emotional component to it, which is that we like fast food to be an indulgence, a treat, a kind of unhealthy, guilty pleasure. A lot of people just don't want the food to change. It's Mm. not something that the core fast food consumer is really sweating in a way that you maybe hear about more on the coasts or in certain enclaves where the focus is more on changing dietary habits and improving the food systems. So overall, I don't really want it to change. If you want fast food to be healthier, don't eat fast food. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like. I don't yeah. know. Obviously, I'd, I'd like to have the options for fast for healthier fast food. For but sure. I probably won't go to them. And also, like we are approaching this from a more privileged space because if you are in a food desert where your only option, or like one of your only options, is say McDonald's, it would be great to not have to order the same super high fat, super unhealthy shit mm-hmm. every time. But. Or, if, yeah, if it could be more affordable to eat healthier, exactly. I think that's actually the outcome that would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what I'm personally more concerned about would be ethics within mm-hmm. the, the production like supply chain and kind of going hand in hand with that, reducing single-use plastics. Because yeah. for whatever reason, McDonald's, at least my neighborhood McDonald's, has gone from paper cups to all plastic cups with a plastic lid and a plastic straw. That's Regardless insane. of size, it's all plastic. It's Ugh. weird. Like paper is more expensive now. I I don't know. Yeah, that seems so counterintuitive. Yeah, it does. I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there are there are things that I would personally like to see changed, but mm-hmm. uh, all organic, non GMO. Don't change the food. Have you ever drank a pop that has no high fructose corn syrup? It's disgusting. That's b- plain sparkling water. Ew, no, hate it. I don't so, like it. Yeah, it's disgusting. What is this Lacroix? Yeah, ish. <laughs> okay, and so here's one last really great anecdote from that same interview. Okay, so the creation of Doritos Doritos Locos Tacos is my favorite story in the book by Adam Sandler. Okay, mostly because it involves a really terrific person who, in the most relatable way, was sitting on his couch eating Taco Bell and saw a Doritos commercial and thought. That's exactly what I want to have, a Doritos-flavored taco shell. Wow. Uh, probably high. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like Scott in college. Fucking brilliant. Even yep. more relatable. hmm So this guy lobbied Frito-Lay to create the shells, and they said, no, we can't do that. But so he started- Clearly you fucking can. So yeah, he- si se puede. Yeah. Mm, si se puede. <laughs> <laughs> So he started a Facebook group where he used his Photoshop skills to kind of put together these tableaus of famous pictures with Doritos Locos taco shells in them. A a lot of people started paying attention to it. And Taco Bell, which had actually created the idea 20 years before, but had Mm. shelved it because of shelled it. Ah, Frito-Lay was like, nah, because of corporate infighting. Whatever oh. that means. Who knew uh, this boys was so being boring. boys. The mm-hmm. boys club. So Taco Bell was planning to release the product and 
sure, okay, okay. And brought, soon. and brought this guy along for the journey. It was a really, really fascinating, beautiful story. This is a quote. He, li- <laughs> he lives to see the creation of the product, but dies very shortly thereafter. Of a heart attack. I don't have any more Face down in a Doritos logo socket. That's how I want to go, though. Like, I want to be having sex while eating Taco Bell. Ooh. I love that. Maybe tonight's your night. I was going to say, make it happen. I didn't (laughs) order Doritos Locos, though. Well, now it's not happening. So tonight's not the night we die I live to live another day. Eating Taco Bell. (laughs) I live to eat another Doritos Loco Tacos. Okay. Mm -hmm. And his friends and family gather for the funeral presumably and then they all go out to Taco Bell after the funeral and they get their Doritos Locos Tacos. Oh, wow. What a beautiful story. What a quintessentially American beautiful story. I know. Rest in <laughs> Rest in Rest in Locos. I, I love it. <laughs> anyway, that is my segment. I got a little bit of psych, a little bit of background, a little, some little fun facts. You got everything. Yeah, you hit all the boxes. And look, you made us order fast food. Yeah. Like, it actually worked. That was psychological trick number 11. Ah, Get your best friends to order fast food on Postmates. vulnerable to advertising. It's the color red. It's because Scott wore red. Yeah, it's your fault. (laughs) Hungry bears all around. Great. Well, should we take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors? Let's please do. Let's do it. When it comes to upgrading your space, Brooklinen has you and honestly everything in your home literally covered (laughs) and accessorized and super cozy. And right now, all of their home essentials are on sale for Black Friday slash Cyber Monday because like this is the time for gift shopping. It is. is it. And one of the best people to buy gifts for sometimes is Is yourself. Is yourself. (laughs) Or the people in your house that you can just use all of the things. Mm -hmm. A shared gift. Love a shared gift. Bill's getting all new towels and bedding this year. (laughs) Good for Bill. (laughs) So Rich and Vicky started Brooklinen with one goal in mind. Bring hotel level comfort home with sheets that are high quality with premium coziness so we can all get that five-star feeling every day and honestly is there any better feeling than like climbing into a crisp hotel hotel bed bed with extra pillows there's nothing better and you can have that 365 days a year in your home Mm mm-hmm So Brooklinen is known for sheets that literally win awards and the hits for home keep on coming. Their luxe sateen sheets continue to be a favorite for their buttery smooth finish Mm -hmm. and perfect temperature for those who sleep a little chilly. Mm -hmm. And their weighted blankets are like wrapping up in a hug whenever you need it. It is the perfect size to bring comfort to any corner of your space and just the right weight to put your mind and body at ease. And this Black Friday slash Cyber Monday is the perfect time to commit to the comfort you're craving or gifting because every bit of it is on sale. You guys, my whole home, everything is kitted out in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got the bedding. I got the sheets. I got the towels. I got the robe. I got the loungewear. And I love all of it. Mm-hmm. I would recommend every single item. And even though comfort is a reward in itself, the Brooklyn Rewards Program means that you actually get points for your purchases, too. Oh, I could have wrapped up so many points by now. Oh, yeah. Along with free shipping and exclusive deals to just sign up and let those points roll in. The holidays may be hectic, so why not embrace 
the ease wherever you can find it. Brooklinen has bundles for bed and bath that put all the essentials in one place and save you money. Ugh, what's not to love about that? So make your holidays even happier with help from the internet's favorite, Brooklinen. Brooklinen's Black Friday slash Cyber Monday sale is only for a limited time, and the deals don't get better. And if you happen to have missed out, use promo code GALS. Visit brooklinen.com and get $20 off, plus free shipping on orders of $100 or more with code GALS. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And treat your sheets. Treat them. Are you struggling to find the perfect present for everyone on your list? Want to give something personal and meaningful and not just something that will be re-gifted next season? Oh, mm-hmm. I am a consummate re-gifter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of bad presents. <laughs> Well, with canvasprints.com, you can easily turn the photo memories on your phone into the perfect gift for everyone on your list. And canvas prices start at just $10.84 for an 8x8 print and just $11.99 for a mug. Oh, love a custom mug. Me too. So you can really afford something for everyone. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with this. It's super intuitive. It's easy to use. You just upload your photo, you pick your product and you add to cart. So like, I wish that I had had this a couple years ago when I commissioned a custom painting of yes. me and Bill and the pets. You would have put that on everything. I, mean, I would imagine have. the mugs. And I did order it on a canvas, like printed on a canvas locally, but I spent a lot of money to have that printed on a canvas. Would have been way more affordable with canvas prints. I could have saved a ton of money and it's artist quality prints and products at an exceptional value. So these are the highest quality custom canvas prints at the lowest price. They have outstanding customer service with a 100% money back guarantee. So there's really no risk here. You're going to be happy or they're going to take care of you. They have quick shipping, which I know is like something we all fret about during the holiday season. Most orders ship within three to five business days. So the turnaround is lightning fast. Love it. We do recommend you shop early to ensure delivery before the holidays because orders placed after December 13th may not be delivered by Christmas with standard shipping, but that's okay because we got plenty of time. You can get that order in before the 13th. Yeah. Uh, And they don't just do mugs and amazing canvas prints. You want a custom pillow with your long distance lover's face on it? (laughs) Yeah. They got you covered. You want coasters so you can put your hot coffee down on grandpa's mug? They got you covered. You can make a custom photo puzzle. Okay, I'm obsessed with that. Oh, I love a custom puzzle. Christmas ornaments. Yeah. I mean, they thought of everything. Oh, I can't. I can't. I'm so excited. I love it. (laughs) And right now, canvasprints.com has a special offer just for our listeners. Go to canvasprints.com and use code GALS25, G-A-L-S-2-5, to get 25% off your entire order of Canvas Prints canvas wall displays, metal prints, photo tiles, photo blankets and pillows, and much, oh. much more. Find the perfect holiday gift for everyone on your list and save with this amazing offer. That's canvasprints.com and use code GALS25 for 25% off your entire order. And treat your gift. Treat them. <laughs> All right, Scott. 
Are you ready to take on Kenyon's mantle? And literally never. Okay. <laughs> Fire away. I'm really excited. No, I'm excited. This is a fun story. Is no, it? I'm excited. Um, <laughs> he says confidently. <laughs> um, that's my entire life. I am excited to present this because it is a pretty interesting story. All right. Um, so. London Greenpeace. No, not that Greenpeace. Oh, God. Was a small anarchist environmental collective that was formed in 1972. Okay. The group is actually unaffiliated with Greenpeace International, which formed actually around the same time. In fact, they were the, the London Greenpeace was adamant about remaining independent of the larger Greenpeace, which they saw as being too, quote, centralized and mainstream for their tastes. This is giving me like World Wrestling Federation versus World Wildlife yeah. Fund vibes. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. The oh, yeah. WWF, WWF had to change oh. to WWE because the World Wildlife Fund was like, you can't call yourselves WWF. That's We're our more acronym. Important. Yeah. I don't want to live in this reality. Exactly. Anymore. Okay. Well, welcome. You're in it. Add it to well, the list okay. of realities. We are on we the world. We're there. <laughs> it is the worst timeline. <laughs> In this worst timeline, a London postman named Dave Morris had gotten involved with the group in 1978 by joining their protests against nuclear power. And by 1982, he was regularly attending meetings. Okay. Greenpeace London's main activity, though, was producing and distributing leaflets. Mm. Oh. And in 1986, they turned their focus on McDonald's. So they're like leafleting at McDonald's? We're going to leaflet. Okay. We're not going to leaf. We're going to leaflet. Okay. They're leafleting and let at, go. They were leafleting at McDonald's or about McDonald's? They're focused on McDonald's. I think also in front of McDonald's. So probably about Both. McDonald's and at McDonald's. Both. Within They're McDonald's. targeting McDonald's. I'm guessing it was only in the bathrooms because that's where you really make the message proliferate. I like this. <laughs> they created a six-page leaflet titled... What's wrong with McDonald's? Sorry, Everything's barely a leaflet. That's a book. That's a small book. Well, get ready. <laughs> this is literally a whole book about that. What's wrong with McDonald's? Everything they don't want you to know. Ooh. The leaflet accused the fast food company of a wide array of wrongdoings, including exploiting children with advertising, mm -hmm. promoting an unhealthy diet, mm -hmm. exploiting workers, cruelty to animals, mm -hmm. and contributing significantly to ongoing damage to the environment. Okay, I mean, they're not wrong. Where's the they're, lie? Right. They're not wrong. They distributed several hundred copies of this leaflet outside the McDonald's in London's Strand. Mm. I assume Strand is a neighborhood. Uh, London upon Strand. Oh, great. That's yeah. where, you know, Will Shakespeare's from. It's somewhere so X amount of miles from Peniston. Strand for exactly. upon Avon. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so numerous members of London's Greenpeace were involved with producing and distributing the leaflets, including Dave Morris and 21-year-old Helen Steele. <gasps> Sounds Classic like a comic Helen. book character. Ha yeah. A comic book character or like... Environmental activist. Or mm. pornographic star. That's such a boring name for Helen porn. Steel. Helen Steele. Helen Steele. A porn mm. star named Helen I like it. It taps I, into a more wholesome demographic. Your granny fetish. She's, she's the. It is. It taps into my granny fetish. The porn star that la launched a thousand ships. Exactly. Helen of Steel. <laughs> Helen, of, Helen of Steel. Uh, so Helen, <laughs> Helen of Steel was a gardener and bartender who had only recently joined the group. A gardener. She's a gardener. A gardener. <laughs> 
New life goal. <laughs> the group was also involved with multiple other causes, but it was the McDonald's leaflets that would set off a chain of events far beyond what the group could have initially imagined. The leaflets! The leaflets! <laughs> At first, McDonald's response to the leaflet campaign seemed subdued especially for a company that was known for taking legal action against anyone and everyone who criticized them. In fact, McDonald's had hired two firms of private investigators to infiltrate London Greenpeace and find out how the group operated and, most importantly, who was responsible for the production and distribution of the leaflet. The leaflet! But her leaflets! Also, leaflet is the cutest word in the I English know, language. I know, so silly. Leaflet. I love it. Also, hoglets. Uh, hoglets. Oh, the ho- I just listened to that episode. Are Sometimes hoglets I listen. not the cutest thing? I love that. I love it too. It's Sometimes what I'm now looking for in a boyfriend. Sometimes you have to wrap a hoglet in a leaflet to make sure it is warm enough oh, to survive the night. <laughs> I don't know why it went so That's dark. So simulate its mother's dirty. warmth. We must reproduce the mother's warmth by wrapping the hoglet in the leaflet. I I'm just going to keep drinking. Let's you keep going. Stop. Okay, anyway. So, okay, so they hired private investigators to find out who's doing this leaflet. Because London Greenpeace was just a loosely organized collective, not an official entity of any kind, McDonald's could not sue them as a group, meaning mm. that they would need to bring legal action against specific individuals. Oh, They'd make okay. it personal. Okay. So in total, there were seven McDonald's spies <laughs> infiltrated by the group. McDonald's spies, can you imagine? Can tell your, me you have too much money without telling me I you know, have too much money. Right? They're From all wearing 19... clown wigs. Oh, yeah. yeah they'll never Big know. red shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like you smell of French fat? fries? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys smell that? It's like French fries. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, so there were seven McDonald's spies. In, that's what I'm going to be for Halloween next year. Seven McDonald's seven spies. McDonald's spies. <laughs> seven McDonald's spies for seven, seven brothers. McDonald's. And a partridge in a pear tree. Done. Okay. Uh, so seven spies infiltrated the group. <laughs> they attended meetings, got fully involved in activities, which included distributing these anti-McDonald's leaflets, and eventually compiled a list of names and addresses to give to the higher-ups in the company. Mm. In 1990, McDonald's sued five members of London Greenpeace for libel. Ooh, the they company, caught them. I, they got them for libel. The <laughs> company demanded that the members retract all claims in the leaflet. The leaflet! The leaflet! And apologize or face going to court in order to prove the allegations were true. Okay. Three of the activists decided to just take the first option. They denounced their involvement with the leaflets and apologized. Like, like people. Wussies. They denounced involvement and apologized? Okay. They denounced their involvement and apologized and probably- I'm sorry you feel like I was involved in this, but I wasn't (laughs) and have a great day. They probably- did it. They probably got some fries out of it though, which like I would- Dumb. You know- Worth it. Launch a thousand ships Mm. into my McDonald's drive-thru. But the other two, so there are two other ones, David Morris and Helen Steele, decided they would not back down without a fight. And they won't- Back down. down. I knew that was gonna come. Um, I, this is like partially why I went into this. Like, like put, I, I don't know why I like got a southern accent all of a sudden. There uh, ain't no leaflet way out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So one source describes. I love it. <laughs> One there source ain't no describes. Way out of my pants. 
when I got here, Amanda's like, I'm not, I don't have my button done. My pants are completely open. Oh, <laughs> she just she like close leans over. Oh, close up shopping. shopping. I put on tap. some so wet pants. These are barely. Oh. It's a. It's like a loose skirt. I wore jeans today, like an idiot i'm wearing the dude version of jeggings right now you were smart i know these things stretch quite a bit years i i haven't either jeggings but it got you know it got to be a bit much anyway anyway back to our regular why are you wearing jeans i had a lot of errands to run today i voted today oh nice Woo, go vote! so i had to like i felt like i needed to put on real pants to vote yeah you gotta represent but you don't for those of you who need to vote you're right you you don't don't have to wear real pants you don't need to wear i actually don't is there a dress code for voting nope well uh of course there's not. no dress can you code. vote naked well there's no dress no. code no for voting although you are not allowed to wear like politically affiliated um oh uh, you can't outfits. wear like, like a you candidate can't, shirt exactly you can't go in with a candidate shirt. you could wear it with like a sweatshirt over it but you can't you can't like campaign at the polls but can i vote naked no because that's illegal mm. to be absentee ballot you oh, could, that's yes, a good point. Okay, go. thank you. The loophole. There it, is. there it is. There it is. That's what I did. The loophole. The nude loophole. The nude loophole. <laughs> All right. So McDonald's at the time was raking in $30 billion a year in worldwide sales. Dang. Helen Steele, just in comparison, was making about 65 pounds a week working part-time in a bar. And David Morris had lost his job as a postman. And was the sole caretaker of his four-year-old son. Oh. Yikes. We're not rich people. No. In the years immediately preceding this case, McDonald's had threatened to sue more than 50 organizations for libel, including television news channels and several major publications. All of these organizations had apologized and settled rather than face trial. Okay. Big McDonald's. Big Big, rat. Big dong. No. Big Big dong. Big clown. Big dong. I don't know. I'm not well. Big clown. Big clown. Oh, how dare you. (laughs) Big clown. As was policy for libel cases, Morris and Steele were not eligible for any legal aid, which I think is wild. And so, when the case finally went to trial in 1993, they were responsible on their almost non-existent budget for providing for proving in court that each disparaging statement made in the leaflet was, leaflet! Su- <laughs> was substantially true. So they had to prove that it was true. What was in the leaflet was true. They had to prove that. Mm-hmm. Well... They did receive donations from sympathetic members of the public, so they raised about four forty thousand pounds toward their legal expenses. Because it's not that bad. That's also, but not going to be enough to stand up to Big Donald. Well, exactly. Big clown. Big clown. They were up against McDonald's seemingly limitless legal budget, and lawyers were noted experts in libel law. Not fair. Yeah, that's a big team with a lot of money behind it. Some some. I think I read this somewhere in the notes that the, the somebody said it was David and Helen against Goliath. Goliath. Ah, that's cute. That's cute. Yuck, 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 yuck. Uh, in its libel allegation, McDonald's had asserted that all claims made in the leaflet were false. And because of the way British libel law works, they did not need to do anything to prove this assertion. Rather, it fell on Morris Steele and their pro bono lawyers to prove in court that their claims were substantially true. It seems a little dumb that one side has to prove truth, but the other side kind of doesn't. Yeah, just plausible deniability. Yeah, big clown can just be like, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Bye. We win. 
Yep. Also, all of these like, things that I assume they were arguing had to do with, like, you know, uh, abuse of, like, employees and sure a- animal ethics and all this shit. They right. uh, surely kept deeply buried. I was going to say stuff they could pay to silence. Right. Well, and at the point, I mean, this is before you could, like, call a witness virtually or whatever, yep. right? So, like, they wanted to call witnesses from South America to defend the claims that McDonald's business practices were harming the continent's rainforest. But this was outside of the scope of what they could do on their budget, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're so, like, no, like, we're not going to pay for that. We're up against fucking McDonald's. Oh, my God, our Taco Bell has arrived. Speaking <gasps> of being up against McDonald's, there's oh. a huge sack of Taco Bell here. A greasy okay, I'm gonna do sack. My- I'm gonna keep do my best to Great. keep going and we're keep gonna going. enjoy it while <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. We love you, honey. Reminder that this is an audio medium. Yeah. So, so listen so to this. Smack bag away. Over. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hear the greasy sack. Mm, this is that psychology in practice. This is audio food porn. Yeah. Right now. It's ASMR. It's huge on TikTok. So, okay, the case became a legal and media circus. The initial trial ran for two and a half years, which included about 40,000 pages of documentary evidence and 130 witnesses. Wow. Steel, wow. I know, 130. That is involved. Steele would later describe in an interview how the trial came to entirely dominate her life. She said, quote, when all you are doing is handing out leaflets in, a tall, in tall order. The leaflets! It's a tall order to then have to become experts. It was a full-time job around the clock. We got home from court. We had to prepare for the next day. If I had known what was involved, I'm not sure that I would have gone ahead. I was going to do that in a British accent, but I got really distracted by all the talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and my only British accent is like the, you know, Bridget Jones's diary mm-hmm. one. So it's not that great anyway. But things were not going great for McDonald's either. Uh-oh. Despite their massive financial advantage, the main effect of the trial so far had been a huge increase in negative media coverage and public awareness of the accusations in the leaflets. The leaflets. The leaflets worked. The leaflets, leaflets worked, worked, people. Okay. Riots work. <laughs> yes. Activism, baby. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. By 1995, they were ready to settle and put the whole episode behind them. At this point, it had been 10 years since London Greenpeace had distributed the leaflets. Mm-hmm. They offered McDonald's offered to drop the case and donate a sum of money to the charity of Morrison Steel's choosing if the pair would stop criticizing McDonald's publicly. Okay. In the meeting, which was secretly recorded by Ooh. Morrison Steele, <gasps> Morrison Steele, McDonald's emphasized that they could continue to criticize the company privately to friends, but must cease speaking to the media or distributing leaflets. Leaflets! Steele and Morris wrote a letter responding to the settlement A offer. letter is not a leaflet. Mm-mm. Correct. A house is not a home. Got it. A letter's not a Without leaflet. Without a leaflet. Steel Morris wrote a letter, not a leaflet, <laughs> responding to the settlement offer in which they said they would agree to these terms if, quote, McDonald's ceased advertising its products and instead only recommended the restaurant privately to friends. Um, they used their own? Mm-hmm. Clap back. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Take that, big clown. Yep. Big clown. Big Suck clown. it, big clown. <laughs> Finally, in June of 97, the judge in the case delivered his verdict. He ruled largely in favor of McDonald's, finding the claims in the leaflet that the company was responsible for starvation and deforestation were false and libelous. Huh. However, he also found that Steele and Morris had, in fact, proved that several of the leaflet's claims were true. Uh-oh. Including that McDonald's endangered the health of their workers and customers by, quote, misleading advertising. And that they, quote, exploit children, that they were, quote, culpably responsible for unnecessary cruelty to animals 
and were hospital unionization and pay their workers low wages. So all Yikes. that stuff, yep, that's true. Oh, dear. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm not super shacked, but. So here's, so, you know, as a partial win, the decision ordered Morrison Steele to pay 60,000 pounds to McDonald's. Okay. But the pair didn't have that money to pay right. that. And it was a completely insignificant amount of money to the company. The McDonald's had spent approximately 10 million pounds in legal costs. 10 million. Oh, my God. And we can't solve world hunger. Right. The entire thing was widely considered a PR disaster for McDonald's. One of the lawyers who represented Morris and Steele pro bono described the case as, quote, an abject lesson in how not to do it. Bringing the case in the early... What not to wear. What not to wear. (laughs) Bringing the case in the early days of the internet meant that many more people came to know what was in the leaflets. The whole Mm. thing was madness. And still... It was not over. But wait. But wait. There's, there's more. more. Good Lord. Morris and Steele appealed the verdict, and their appeal went to trial in January of 99. This time, several more arguments were decided in favor of Morris and Steele, and the amount of, in damages they owed McDonald's was reduced by 20,000 pounds. But still, the two activists were not done fighting. Mm-mm. That's what they eventually took. do. Just you have enough fast food, just keep going. We printed so many leaflets, we have to finish handing them out. (laughs) We still have leaflets to hand out. Way over budget in our printing of the leaflets. We blew our budget on the leaflets. (laughs) They eventually took their case to the European Court of Human Rights, arguing that their right to legal aid had been unjustly denied and that their ineligibility for this help simply because their case was a libel case had violated their right to freedom of expression and a fair trial. This is a big deal. Yeah. In 2005, the European Court of Human Rights ruled in their favor and ordered the UK government to pay Steele and Morse 57,000 pounds in compensation. And we graduated. Oh. That's true. We did in 2005. In 2005. Oh. In the ruling, uh, the ruling also graduated us. Yeah. In the ruling, the, the European Court of Human Rights criticized the ways in which the UK libel laws, quote, failed to protect the public right to criticize corporations whose business practices affect people's lives and the environment. That's a good point. I agree. It's like we're silencing the people who are trying to... The whistleblowers. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. ruled that the trial had been biased from the start because of the defendant's comparative lack of resources. Yep, yep, yeah. like, yep. Yep, structural shit matters, people. Mm-hmm, Thank mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. So when all was said and done, the McLibel case, Ooh, as it became known, Ooh, was the longest-running trial in English legal history. Wow. It eventually led in part to a change in UK libel laws. So the Defamation Act of 2013 established a new threshold for, quote, serious harm that needed to be met for a case to be heard. Okay. So one of Steele and Morse's lawyers... And the original trial stated after this act was passed that under these changes, the McLibel case could have been immediately tossed out because the burden would have fallen on McDonald's Mm. to show that the leaflets had caused them significant financial harm Mm. rather than the activists to prove the claims were true. Which makes way more sense. That does make more sense because they have the resources to actually carry that out. Right. The lawyer said, (laughs) quote, in the modern era, hanging out around, handing out around 60 leaflets outside one store wouldn't cause serious harm. No. Especially against... McDonald's, big clown. Right, big right. clown. I do love, though, that like this ended up blowing up in their face because they're yes. like, he's 60 leaflets, and it actually made them look awful. Really bad. Really yeah, bad. it's kind of like, um, what is it? Uh, Barbara Streisand syndrome. It's oh. like, we're trying to shut it down so hard that it actually blows it up in bigger. your face and makes it yep. bigger. Yeah. What's the Barbara Streisand so, thing? There was like a photo or something of her or like an interview of her 
that um, she was not pleased with, and she, I, I, I'm, I'm, she's I'm, like, you have to bury it. Yeah, and I'm the sure more there, she said you have to bury it. There's the a more ton everyone of, was like, we're not burying exactly. This. Yeah. There's like a ton of theater gays that are yelling at me right now for for getting this wrong, but it's like, yeah, she wanted it expunged from essentially public eye. Okay, and then all that did was shine a brighter light on this thing and make her look. Bad. And now that's <laughs> become known as Barbara Streisand syndrome. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's great. So just to wrap things up, in the years since the McLeibel case, the story has continued to develop because it never stops. Right. Most recently, it was revealed that two members of London Greenpeace who had been involved in the initial creation of the Lethalit were actually undercover police officers who had infiltrated the group. Oh, whoa. One of these officers, a man named John Deans, Deanus, Deanus, was John Dinus. John Paint. It's Dinus. Was Helen Steele's partner for two years. Whoa. They had even moved in together, discussed having children together. She was entirely unaware of his true motive. That he was a cop on big clown side exactly i don't <sighs> love that helen Steele was sleeping with a cop did I she know. even know he was a cop at all i she was I unaware no of idea. his true motives his true motives she didn't know that he worked for big clown but i think she might have known he was a cop unless he said he had a totally different job he's like he's like, like pictures of him as a cop he's like no that's when i was a stripper for halloween <laughs> Yeah, maybe right, he so was around- so deep undercover that he dated maybe. her specifically to get under big Greenpeace. No. <laughs> maybe small Greenpeace. he forgot who he actually was. And <gasps> actually they found love in a in a hopeless place. Maybe everything's a simulation. What is identity in the first place? Right. What if? Regardless, <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> uh, so th- this guy did disappear without a trace, though. And Steele later described how she spent years searching for him before discovering that he'd been using a fake identity taken from. Are you ready for it? A dead a child. Oh my god! What? This is so unhinged. Hashtag not all cops, though. Right? Wow. Hashtag every literally single all cops. Cop. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, in, all cops wear no shows. In 2015, Steel oh that, along that's with that's our new hashtag. You know yes, that all, all cops, cops wear no wear shows. No shows. <laughs> <laughs> all cops leave no shows on during sex. Ew. Ew. <laughs> yes, all cops leave no show socks on during sex. <laughs> we it's have to make that trend. I ever make it trend. <laughs> make it trend. My my nether regions are closed for business. Now, yeah, and you also know it's. Super true. Absolutely. Just don't fuck a cop. You're fine. (laughs) Hi, Ray. Hi, Bubby. All right. So 2015, (laughs) there were several other women who had similar experiences, though. They took legal action against the Metropolitan Police. In Steele's words, quote, we knew that between the eight of us who sued the Metropolitan Police, there were at least five different officers who deceived women and that the period of relationships was nearly 25 years. Jesus. There was obviously a systematic pattern of abuse, either for the officer's own purposes or undermining protest movements. Look at Ray. Are you undermining protest movement? He is a mess. Jeez. That cat is fucking enormous. He Did he just roll off the desk? He tried to climb on my lap and his back foot <laughs> slipped off the desk. And then he was just like halfway off and tangled in my cord. No, he's so big. He's so I, I want to, in my next life, I want to be your cat. Same. Oh my just God. Just hit me in the face with his tail. 
Which That's is how like you know it was me. This big around. He's the girthiest it's, tail. It, got a big tail. I don't know if you've seen She's that thick. that TikTok video of like a vet who had to shave a cat's tail, and a cat's shaven tail is just exactly what you picture in your worst nightmare. Ew. His tail would be this fucking big no. around. No. Ugh. No. You're disgusting. Girthy. No. Okay, Scott. I hate it. All right, let me just wrap this up. So (laughs) Metropolitan Police were awful, etc. But still, Steele is best known for her involvement in the landmark (laughs) McLeibel case. Mm -hmm. According to The Guardian, quote, in the years since the London Greenpeace leaflets were first handed out, the debates about industrial food and corporations have grown enormously. The epic McLeibel trial, it can now be seen, acted as a commentary on globalization and helped to expose many of the dubious practices of giant corporations. That no other company has considered taking activists like the McLeibel II to the libel courts in the past decade suggests that they have struck a genuine blow for freedom. Wow. And that's McKay. Wow. Good job. Leaflets and no-shows. Leaflets! I love it. I honestly I thought that eat. that case would be exceedingly dry and boring, but it actually it was, was not. It was a I'm going to say it was my delivery. I'm going to say it was a thousand percent my delivery. It was, it was definitely of, your delivery. But also, uh, these notes were really excellent that I did not write. So thank you to Speaking the Speaking of no delivery, writer. I apparently did not complete the order. So the Chalupa pack that I ordered is not here. That's on me. But there's some other fun stuff here. I know. I know. I really fucked up. You trusted me and I betrayed Scott your trust. Scott and I are making the same thing. I betrayed your trust. I'm Chalupas just, I, is I'm the best part. Sure. I'm I know. really upset about this. I know. I'm upset about it. Okay, but it there too. are Cinnabon. There are Cinnabon and there's, there's a Mexican so pizza and there's Nachos Belgrande. We will make this work. We'll make do. Anyway, while we, I'm sorry, we'll make, while Scott, it's a good thing that we're such good friends. While Scott hurts me, should we take a quick uh, sponsor break? Let's, let's take let's a break real a quick break. <laughs> when it comes to therapy and psychiatry, getting the help you need has never been so simple. When you're able to access your provider from the comfort of your device, literally mm-hmm. your phone or computer, I mean, come on. Yeah. It means mental health care can be on your schedule and alleviating the wait times to get an appointment or the travel time to an office can free up time for the rest of your life. Talkspace is so convenient and accessible. It, you know, for me, it helps me feel supported around the clock. And uh, yeah, I'm not good at scheduling things no. in advance. So it's too, it's too much pressure. Scheduling is a job in and of itself. I it's just want much. it on you know, when I want it for me, honestly, it's like my ADHD, which I do work with Talkspace on Mm -hmm. makes it really hard for me to remember everything I want to discuss in that one precious hour a month. Yes. And so I can just send things that I'm going through in real time to my therapist and we can figure it out along the way. It's amazing because Talkspace lets you send messages to your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform. Like, 24 7 so this allows you to update them on the challenges and triumphs that you're facing in real time you don't have to wait for your next session and like me risk 
forgetting everything you're in therapy for. Yeah. You go in and you sit down and then your mind is blank and mm-hmm. you're like, I know I pay you to help me, but I don't remember what I need help with. It's too much pressure <laughs> to try to remember it in the moment. You gotta it's just, too much. When, it, when it occurs to you, you gotta send the message. You gotta get it out. And with Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist and they hold you accountable and make sure that you're really progressing. Like, throughout the week mm-hmm. it's huge and therapy can help you shift your perspective it can help you find tools to cope in difficult times it can be a guiding light but you also don't need to wait for a crisis to get into therapy okay there's a massive therapist network through talkspace so anything that you might be going through talkspace probably has somebody that can help you out they have thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience and over 40 specialties including depression anxiety substance use disorder trauma anger management relationship issues food and eating so much more Mm -hmm. it's amazing what are you waiting for yeah and as a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash gals to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash gals. And treat your brain. Treat it. If you've been living with eczema, acne, hi, or rosacea, you can relate to the frustration of trying dozens of products over the years without any long-term relief. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. But with Glad Skin, you can expect something different. Glad Skin is a new category of skin treatment that is made for people of all ages with eczema-prone, acne-prone, hi, and rosacea-prone skin. But what actually causes the itchiness, redness, inflammation, and discomfort in the skin? Well, it's a disruption of the bacterial environment, also called the skin microbiome. Science, baby. Science, baby. There is the one time that I really deeply care about science, it's when it comes to skin care. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And Glad Skin specifically works to target the imbalance in your skin's microbiome. But unlike other skin brands and prescription medications, Glad Skin uses microbalance. Nailed it. It is a revolutionary protein that restores the balance of the good and bad bacteria that live on your skin so that your skin can finally heal. Bless. It is so effective that 91% of users, adults and children, who tried their top-selling eczema cream reported significant improvement after just seven days. Incredible. I also love the fact that Glad Skin with Microbalance is steroid-free, mm-hmm. and it works without harsh ingredients, and it's still clinically proven to reduce eczema symptoms, and it's even gentle enough for babies. Ooh. And I have a new baby, and... You know, baby acne happens. It's real. It's real. And as a parent, you just want them to, like, feel comfy in their own skin. And I just love Glad Skin. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So if you've been frustrated with your treatment options, don't wait to try Glad Skin. They are offering our listeners 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash gals. That's gladskin.com slash gals for 15% off plus free shipping. One more time, gladskin.com slash gals and treat your skin. Treat it. Are you ready for my case? (laughs) We have Taco Bell. (laughs) No, we're not, but we're going to do it. 
I'm going to get nacho cheese all over this microphone. Oh. Please do. I never use these. Again, this is an audio medium. And also video <laughs> for many Patreon supporters. Okay. My case is dark. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad my my stomach is full now. I went to the dark side good. of the moon. So buckle up. Paul Dennis Reed Jr. was an ath fella. Uh -oh. oh, no. Born in Richland Hills, <laughs> Texas on November 12th, which is also my sister's birthday. He's a Scorpio. But he was born in 1957, not 1980. We won't tell how my sister's birth year. 1980. Mostly. Eight, it's not 1980, but she is turning 40 this year. You do the math. That's too hard. I literally can't do the math. <laughs> Happy 40th birthday, Ashley. This might come out around her 40th birthday. Whatever. Happy birthday, Asherald. Happy birthday. Bye. So not a ton is known about his childhood, but what we do know is that he was one of several children to his parents, Paul Sr. and uh, Janie? Joni. Joni. And that Paul Sr. and Joni got divorced when he was young and the children were split up mm. between like parents and also grandparents. Mm. So Paul Jr. and his sister were sent to live with his paternal grandmother. So his dad's mom. Paul Jr. was clearly very affected by this break in the family and exhibited disturbing behavior that his grandmother could not handle. He was bullying other children. He was abusing animals. Uh -oh. He was stealing and fucking with neighbors' property. Bunch of red and, flags. And his outbursts were getting so severe that a priest at the church they all went to recommended his grandmother send him to boarding school, though I don't believe she did. He built an exhaustive juvenile record, mostly for breaking and entering and robbery, and there are rumors that he attempted to sexually abuse his sister, though I couldn't fully substantiate that claim. But this guy's, like, not a good dude, so I don't feel like I need to really protect him. We've, we've got a good picture of a not yeah. good dude. It's not great. By 1984, so he's 27, Paul Jr. earned himself a 30-year prison sentence for a series of armed robberies at local restaurants. While behind bars, he exhibited behavior that leaves us to wonder about his mental health, including paranoia and conspiracy theories about government mind control and implanted devices. So, like, it does suggest and the possibility. Elections. Yeah. It just suggests the possibility of schizophrenia or, yeah. at the very least, something's not quite right. Okay. But as far as I could find, he didn't receive an official diagnosis. And he, in you know, not even, spoiler alert, when he goes to trial later, he has like a ton of appeals and not in a single one of his appeals does he, is he ever deemed unfit to stand trial or that his mental health can affect like the outcome of his sentencing. Mm. Okay. So, and he was assessed after his arrest by multiple psychologists. So, and I think he even said in an interview later that like he faked a lot of his mental health stuff to try and avoid accountability. So sure. it's already so it's, really tricky to evaluate his it is. mental standing at that because, point. Because like he's clearly not well, but he's also kind of full of shit. Yeah. So it's like, what do we believe and what do we not? Yeah. The fact that he didn't get an official diagnosis isn't surprising considering the time. It's the 80s, whatever. But he was considered dangerous. So apparently being a white man outweighs that designation oh, of yeah. being a danger to society. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Uh-huh. No, but yeah. But yeah, no. So he was paroled in 1990 after serving only about seven years of his 30-year sentence. Hmm. 
I don't get like that. That happens a lot. Right? I don't. And you know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I about do too. It, yeah. But I, it's just, it's really hard to see this some a case like this one where he was let out after kind of fucking around and like sort of faking mental health stuff, and then he does some really bad shit. So I don't know. I'm. It's tough. I, we have retrospect, but also at yeah. But we have retrospect and the evaluations that he received while behind bars, albeit in the 80s, said he was a danger to society. Right. And then he was released after seven years. So right. it's like, what is it? Is he a danger to society or is he eligible for parole? Yeah, like, which can't one? can be both. Right. Yeah. So after his release, he got a job as a truck driver and spent most of his time between Texas and Oklahoma. This job was short-lived, however, because Paul got into a pretty bad accident while driving the truck, which led to a fairly robust workers' compensation settlement. Hmm. He took that as a sign to follow his newest dream, which reminds me of... Big Mike, dream. Big dream. Michael Scott being like, this is a dream that I have had since lunch, and I am not giving up on it. Like, that <laughs> line is like, that came into my head when I read this. So he decided, I'm going to become a country music sensation. Oh, Because yeah. mm-hmm. that's something and you just photo. decide to be. I, to be fair, out of all the possible sensations to become. A country music sensation is probably too far the most off. achievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there is a picture of him on the drive with not one, but two guitars that I'm will sorry. be on the block. This you man- know what? He looks. He does look like he could be a country music sensation. He does. He put on the costume and. Uh, Is that a small hat or a big hat? I think that's in the in the in the world of gallon hats. I think that's a small hat. Am I allowed okay. to make fun of his appearance? Because absolutely, he's absolutely a, are. He's a monster. Yeah, another specimen that looks like it was melted in the microwave. Yeah, it's not great, and you're gonna laugh even harder when you find out how he ended up looking like that. So it's not great. (laughs) The early nineties were peak for the likes of Garth Brooks and Keith Urban. And Paul was convinced that he had a sound as solid as like the great Hank Williams. So we've also got some self aggrandizing Mm -hmm. happening here. Mm -hmm. And did I try and find YouTube videos of his demos? Yes. Do they exist online as far as I could find? No. Oh. I tried. I failed. <laughs> you did your due diligence I did my, as a serious journalist. I did. I am. Yep. That is. As a Pulitzer Prize reading journalist. Let me <laughs> remind everyone, as we often do, that we are not journalists. But anyway, so he bought a guitar, or as this photo would show, two guitars, bought himself some plastic surgery to make himself look more appealing didn't to work. become a country music star. Yeah, it didn't work. Did not work. And made his way to Nashville, Tennessee, with the hopes of breaking onto the scene. Spoiler alert, he would not break onto the scene. <laughs> Instead, he got a job as a dishwasher at a like southern restaurant chain called Shoney's. For what I could find, it's sort of like an Applebee's, but it's like only in the South. Maybe it's Shoney's. like Sahani's. 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 I think it's Shoney's, but it's Sahani's. <laughs> Working in one of their Nashville locations. Things went okay there for a while until an outburst in 1997 got him fired when he threw a plate at a fellow employee. Mm. Oh, yeah. I worked at a restaurant once and a manager got really upset. Jane and has threw, to do with theater. I will not name names. 
but we know. Uh, a manager got really upset and threw a plate against the wall and it was the most like it's already such a chaotic environment well, right. so for something like that to happen it just like it truly it's emblazoned in my sen- senses but really? also throwing a plate against the wall and throwing a plate like at a colleague's yeah. head no yeah that's a there's are different there's things difference. And yeah, but I have also from many years in the restaurant industry have experienced outbursts very similar to yeah. that. And it is a really chaotic wrench to throw in an already chaotic. Situation. I have worked right. in a lot of restaurants and I've never had anybody throw. I can't even think of the most chaotic thing that anybody's like done in my presence. Not well, throw anything. Ti- it sounds Lucky like it's time you. for you to get back into the restaurant. Uh, we had a really <laughs> coked out manager one time who came in and was like, it was like her night off and shit absolutely hit the fan and there was no manager on duty. So we called her and she came in and she seemed to be sort of uh, amped up, if you know what I mean. Hi. And then she called everybody into the kitchen and just bitched at everybody for calling her in. And she's like, this is my fucking night off. Like, okay. You could have not come in then. You could have said no. Yeah. But anyway, how would you ha- yeah, yeah. But then how would you get to yell are, at the entire time? Exactly. Restaurants are their own. It's thing. chaotic, but mm-hmm. also don't throw a plate at anybody's head. No. So he gets fired, and this would kick off a series of horrific murders carried out by the disgruntled and disturbed Paul Jr. Oh, well, okay. this is bigger than a coked out, like yelling at the staff. No it's man. really so, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and. Yeah. Uh, all of the victims are like completely innocent strangers, which makes it that much more fucked up. So on February 16th, 1997, the day after he was fired from Shoney's, Paul walked into a local fast food restaurant called Captain D's. It's like a seafood fast food place inquiring about a job. When 16 year old cashier, Sarah Jackson and her manager, 25 year old Steve Hampton started to chat with him. He instead pulled out a gun and robbed the restaurant. After getting the cash that he wanted, he took Sarah and Steve into the walk-in cooler and executed them. Oh, my. Like, get on the ground, shot Back them. Back of the head. Yeah. Oh, my Ooh. fucking yeah, yeah. I mean, God. you said this was dark. Yeah. But I didn't know this was, like, Kenyan dark. Oh, no. With Kenyan gone, I have both become darker. Has picked up the really? I love that. Really I risen love that. to the occasion. It's God. not right. I need to heal. I need Kenyan back so I can heal. Make. Kenyan, make. Make. <laughs> Uh-huh. So it was early in the morning, right before the restaurant opened. So they were the only ones in the store. So there were not, I mean, I guess the only silver lining is that there weren't customers that were also harmed. But Jesus fucking Christ. The only reason the staff had let him into the space was because he said he wanted to fill out a job application so they wouldn't have to serve him any food because the kitchen wasn't even open yet. Yeah, their fryers aren't. He heated up yet. Nothing's lit. Like the kitchen staff had like not even arrived. This no. is like front of house getting everything ready staff. Was this like five in the morning? No, the place opened at 10 and this was around like 830 or nine. Oh, OK. Oh, my God. Yeah. To die at all, to be executed at all, but to do it in the fucking morning. To die at mm. 930 in no, the morning. No, I can't. I'd be pissed. Ridiculous. Extra tragedy. I Your know. Ghost would be forever craving caffeine. Uh huh. Yeah. I'd be very angry. <laughs> Hungry ghost. Hungry, Hungry ghost. ghost. After killing Sarah and Steve, he took the surveillance tapes out of the CCTVs in the main office and fled the scene. He used the cash he had stolen to purchase a car. Sarah and Steve's bodies were discovered when another employee arrived to work to find all of the doors locked and chairs still like up on top of the table. So, like, nothing was open yet. 
And he's like, what the fuck? This makes no sense. It's 10. I'm here for my shift. It's supposed to be open. Yeah. So he went to a nearby business to use the phone to call the restaurant and there was no answer. This was when he alerted police and they entered the building to find this horrific scene. The next day, about 12 miles away from the Captain D's, some interesting refuse was found on the side of a highway. The trash included the wallet of Steve Hampton, his ID still left inside, and one of the cards in the wallet, which I saw was a video rental card. <gasps> oh, I know. I was like, oh, my God. Only one porno away from a free rental. Dang one it. porno away. Poor bastard. Their punch card. I know. So it was like his blockbuster card was left in the wallet and it had a thumbprint on it. So what I'm assuming happened. A thumbprint. Well, it's it's the killer's thumbprint. I think he was going through, he took the cash out of the wallet. It was probably oh, going through the I wallet to find was, the credit cards. I thought it was the person's like to redeem your 10th no, 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 movie no, 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 rental no, no, no. list is no, your thumbprint. No, no. Okay. No, no. It was Steve's well, like blockbuster card and police it. were able to lift a thumbprint that does make off of the uh, blockbuster quite card. a bit more sense. Yep. And the ID was still in there. So they were able to know that it was Steve's wallet. Got it. So they run this print through whatever measly database they had available to them in 1997. Pre-AFIS. Yeah. Probably mm -hmm. only a local one, to be honest. And it doesn't bring up any matches. So despite the print not being a lead, another part-time manager of the Captain D's recalled speaking to a man the night before the murder who had come in asking about a job, and he was wearing a Shoney's apron and said he wanted a change of work environment. The night manager had recommended he return in the morning to talk to the full-time manager. So can you imagine being that night manager yeah, and the like guilt, the back. survivor's yeah. guilt, come back tomorrow morning and then wow. he fucking kills two people? Jesus. I just... this. So many people experience tragedy because of this fucking psychopath. The lead investigators then pulled a bunch of photos of Shoney's employees to see if anyone could identify the attacker from a photo lineup. But I don't think Paul's photograph was included because he'd already been fired by then. So they weren't able to find anybody oh. in this photo lineup of Shoney's employees. Huh. So this doesn't this doesn't bring us a lead yeah. at this point. Yeah. About a month later, on March 23rd, 27-year-old Ronald Santiago and three other employees at an Hermitage, Tennessee McDonald's, including 23-year-old Robert Sewell, 30-year-old Jose Gonzalez, and 17-year-old Andrea Brown, ended their evening shift and closed down the restaurant. So young. I know. Uh, I like the additional... Yeah, the trauma, tragedy of, of like these folks. They're children. So many of them and are also children. like probably responsible for a big amount of like money in their household. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah. It's fucked up. Santiago unlocked a side door so that everybody could leave, but before they could all leave, they were approached by Paul Jr., who once again had a gun. He led them all back into the restaurant, first to the main office where they were instructed to hand over all of their cash as well as the cash in the safe in the office. He then led them all into a dry storage room where he ordered them to the floor and started executing the employees one by one. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Ugh. When he got to Jose Gonzalez, his gun misfired, Ugh. allowing Jose to, in an act of incredible bravery that I can't even imagine, get up from the floor and attack Paul. Paul then reached for his knife and stabbed Jose 17 times. <gasps> Jose dropped to the ground and played dead until Paul left the premises. Played dead? 
played dead. He was alive. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Jose then used the last bit of strength he had to crawl back to the office and call 911. When police and paramedics arrived, he was alive but unresponsive. Another person, Andrea, little young 17-year-old Andrea, was also alive but unresponsive. Like, she was breathing, but... Yeah. The other two employees were pronounced dead at the scene and Andrea Brown was put on life support, but did not make it through the night. But Jose did. Oh, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Once again, this crime scene is pretty damn clean. There are no fingerprints in the building that were belonging to anybody other than employees. No surveillance tapes. Those had been taken. Over $2,000 in cash was missing. And all they really had to go on were the shell casings that allowed them to identify the murder weapon as a Remington 25 caliber automatic. Investigators immediately believed this attack to be connected to the attack at Captain D's because they're so... The MO is like exactly the same. Mm -hmm. By some miracle, Jose Gonzalez was beginning to recover from his injuries and was able to provide a description of his attacker that a composite sketch could be built off of. The investigation continued, but this certainly wasn't enough information for a slam dunk resolution. And unfortunately, Paul Jr. was still out there and preparing to strike a third location. No. Oh, yeah. So on April 23rd, 1997, in Clarksville, Tennessee, 21-year-old Angela Holmes and 16-year-old Michelle Mace were locking up after their evening shift at Baskin Robbins Ice Cream Shop. I just, I, this is. It's so bad. Like, again, young people, and it's like. Police officers get paid money because they're in the line of duty and mm-hmm. could get hurt. But like, actually, mm-hmm. teachers are in this situation. Yes. Like fucking Baskin Robbins people. You know, yes. it's like, yeah. literally, there is no excuse for anyone to be getting paid under what is an actual living wage because we're all putting ourselves in the line of duty in every moment. Literally just existing in public puts you in the line of yeah. fucking duty. Yeah, it's our, not to say like being in in more danger means right. anything. But if you're yeah. young and vulnerable, you're working with cash. You're in you know, the United just, States where fucking mm-hmm. every yep. motherfucker Everybody has, has an guns. automatic rifle. Exactly. It's yep. just, it's, it's, yes, you make, you're making a completely spot on point. It's just really fucking senseless. So after letting the last guest out of the store, they were confronted by Paul, who was once again armed. He robbed the girls in the store, but this time, instead of executing them at the scene, he forced them into his car and drove away. Mm. When Michelle's brother arrived to pick her up from work that night, he found the store empty and the safe open and immediately called the police, who came to assess the scene. This time, they were able to lift a few fingerprints as well as shoe prints, but the employees were still nowhere to be found. That is until the next evening when an unsuspecting man walking his dog in nearby Dunbar Cave State Park was pulled by his pet in the direction of a lake in the park. (laughs) What the dog was alerting him to was the body of a young woman, hands bound behind her back, wearing a Baskin Robbins apron. Oh, can you even? No. No. Another reason I won't get a dog. Right. I didn't need another one, but there it is. Yeah, that's fair. I'll never go to Baskin Robbins. It upsets my stomach. I love Baskin Robbins. There, I, I don't, know if these girls were sexually assaulted i didn't see anything to that effect but i tend to wonder why kidnap from the only location where this is the only place he went to where there were only two female and young female employees it it would be easy to take them Correct. So I don't know and I don't want to like disgrace their memory by making any kind of assumption, 
but it does make you wonder why them? Why? Like, obviously his behavior is escalating, Mm -hmm. but like, why kidnap them and take them to a remote like location if you didn't have a motive to do something else with these girls before you killed them? So I don't know, but like that, I can't get that out of my head. Well, yeah, that's. Yes. It's horrific no matter what, but no just matter that what. added thing, especially for their families. Just that, I'm the hoping, idea. Just, oh, I'm hoping awful. that that's not what the, happened. Yeah, the danger of taking somebody elsewhere, like how would that, what would outweigh that? Danger? Exactly. Yeah. Is like the urge or the desire. So the woman found in the lake was identified as Angela Holmes and Michelle Mace was found in the woods about 100 yards away. Rather than being shot execution style as the previous victims had been, the girls had been bound, stabbed multiple times, and their throats were slit, which, as we know from doing this show, is a much more intimate way to kill someone. Yeah, there's fury there. Yep. So I, it's just, it's unfucking speakably grotesque and violent. So the pattern of fast food slayings was so alarming that police planted undercover officers and unmarked patrols at locations all around Nashville. But it's like how we don't have enough staff to put un- undercover agents in every fucking fast food place in the n- late 90s in Nashville, right. a huge city. And he's not going back to the same, not even not even the same place, but the same like restaurant chain twice. Like it seems really random. We don't fucking know where he's going to go. But they're just kind of doing their best to to figure it out or at least give like the false impression of we're trying something. Mm-hmm. Cops were posing as employees and maintaining surveillance over as many locations as they could. And things were quiet for several weeks. It's possible that Paul knew that these restaurants were too risky to try again because like all of Nashville is in a fucking chokehold about this like it's all over the news can you imagine like having to open your baskin robbins the next day and be like why would i have staff Uh, you know for for at this time in the 90s you're making what a buck 75 an hour and there's a fucking madman on the loose in your city you want your pistachio ice cream like i targeting fast food fuck no Mm -hmm. i would be furious how have we not all walked out? why did the great like leave or whatever I know. it's called not happen ages I, ago I know because you it know that we really did we just come back so fast because the economy right. is so fucked yeah. well and you know that these restaurants like weren't closing or really taking any additional precaution to protect their employees other than like welcoming all their undercover police into their premises mm-hmm. which I don't know. So it's just it's a fucking mess. Or like we'll have our we'll have our janitor walk you to your car at the end of the night. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. exactly the concern given this guy's MO. Yeah, exactly. For real. So he was quiet. He wasn't like going into any of these restaurants, but he was not done carrying out his bullshit. So on June 1st, 1997, 45-year-old Mitchell Roberts was enjoying an evening at home with his family. Mitchell was a manager at Shoney's Restaurant in Nashville, the very Shoney's that Paul Jr. had been fired from months prior. And I think it was it was Mitchell who was the manager who had to actually fire actively fire him. So when the doorbell rang that night, Mitchell was surprised to open his door to Paul, who was asking for his job back, probably because he's like, well, they're watching every fucking fast food location. I can't keep robbing them and killing people. I may as I better get a job. So he shows up at this guy's house. He showed up at this man's house, the man who had fired him. 
Mitchell informed him that he was not eligible for rehire because of his violent outburst and offered to walk him back to his car when Paul pulled his gun on him and took a set of handcuffs out of his pocket. He instructed Mitchell to put them on and get into his car. Mitchell refused, running back to his home, followed by Paul, who rather than using his gun, and I don't really know why, maybe he was out, maybe he was like out of bullets, maybe the gun was just more for show, or maybe he didn't want to be too loud because he's in a neighborhood and he thought that like if someone hears a gunshot, they're going to call 911. That's my guess, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm not really sure. But he doesn't use his gun. He takes out his knife and he attacks Mitchell. Well, Mitchell fought yeah, back. If he's close enough to use his knife. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's probably. I think it was probably a. <laughs> I think it was probably a sound thing. He didn't well, want to be also detected. That, like the into the crime of intimacy thing. If he knows him. Yep. Yep. And yeah, he had used the knife on the girls. It's like it's his behavior is yeah, escalating. Might wanna There's a lot of factors there. Have that exactly. So he attacked Mitchell, but Mitchell fought back and wrestled himself back inside the door and shut the door between himself and Paul and his wife and his child were home. So he screamed for his wife to grab his gun, but Mitchell and the family don't own a gun. He was just like, go get my gun to try and scare Paul away, which worked. So Paul ran to his car and left in his car. I know, right? I would not. I would not. I know. I'd be like, go get my cat. Well, I'd be like, call 911. But it's like their response time, you someone could break in and kill you. Oh, and, yeah. you know, so like, go get my gun is actually um, seemingly way more effective, immediate. Mm-hmm. You know, that was very quick thinking on Mitchell's part and it paid off. Yeah. So Paul leaves in his car. Mitchell then calls the police who came to his residence to get his statement. While he was like sitting down with police, identifying Paul and describing what he was wearing, what vehicle he was driving, all of that, the phone rings at Mitchell's house and he answers the phone and it's fucking Paul calling him allegedly to apologize for his behavior. Oh my God. I know. So this Paul is like losing his mind. He's grasping at everything. Yeah. And the investigators that were there are quietly like catching on to the fact that this is Paul and they're like encouraging Mitchell to invite him back to the house to clear things up and clear the air so that they can arrest him. Wow. So he does. Mitchell is like, why don't you come back? Let's talk it over. Let's see if we can figure this out. Paul comes back and he gets arrested. I can't believe that worked. I know. I, I mean, it also, I mean, it also shows like how disconnected Paul is from exactly. reality at this point. Exactly. It's just like, and I, that's not to absolve his behavior because millions and millions and millions and millions of people struggle with mental health, severe mental health every single day and don't do shit like this. Mm-hmm. We um, order Taco Bell instead. We order Taco Bell instead. Uh, <laughs> but Sorry. something is like not, mm-hmm. is not firing properly. Yeah. So Paul was arrested when he arrived back at Mitchell's house and was charged with aggravated assault and attempted kidnapping because these charges were severe enough that he couldn't be released right away on bail. So this like buys investigators time to confirm what was at this point suspected. And that's that Paul was the fast food killer as he had been deemed in the press. Jesus. They took his booking photo along with 300 other potential suspects to Jose Gonzalez, who had survived and was still like recovering. And I don't know if he was home or in the hospital. This was like over a month after he had been attacked, but like he was severely injured. So his recovery road was long. So they brought all these photos to Jose and they were like, can you pick your attacker out of all these photos? And out of the 300 ish 
photos he saw, he was able to definitively identify Paul wow. Jr. as his attacker. Yep. Jeez. So eyewitness accounts are obviously not enough. So this was corroborated by the fingerprint found on the card in deceased Steve Hampton's wallet. Because mm-hmm. now Paul was arrested for this aggravated assault. He's booked. They get his fingerprints and they're able to match it to the one that was on Steve Hampton's video card. It's like, how the fuck would you have even gotten this? So that right. puts him at right. at least at the scene. Bada bing. Bada bing. And also bada boom. Bada boom. Mm, both. Um, Yep. So this both being in boom. So this is enough to get a warrant to search Paul's home and vehicle. They found multiple like milk jugs with over a thousand dollars in change in them, which is consistent with the currency that was stolen from the fast food restaurants. He stole thousands of dollars from these restaurants, but a lot of it was in milk jugs. Oh, in coins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, weird. What? Why? Sorry, like coin change, like quarters. Milk and jugs. And shit. Oh, coins. Yeah. Yes. Milk jugs. Milk jugs. <laughs> yeah. Explain the jugs. Can you tell us about your jugs? Tell me about your jugs. Tell me more so about the jugs. They find all these jugs, and that matches the kind of money that he was taking from these restaurants they also found sneakers with traces of blood on them Mm. that like we didn't have that'll super advanced dna testing at that time we could confirm that it was human Mm -hmm. and we could confirm whether it was like male or female at that time but we couldn't get like a full dna profile but could tell if it was a vampire or not exactly Mm. exactly unfortunately not a vampire yep hot dog not a hot dog correct Mm -hmm. They were also able to find forensic DNA that could be matched to the two girls kidnapped and killed from the Baskin Robbins. I don't know what that forensic DNA was. Again, I feel like some of the details are intentionally vague so as not to further like traumatize mm. the families by talking about what happened. And uh, several of these victims were minors, so they wouldn't mm. even release that mm-hmm. in the press if a minor is sexually assaulted. Mm. Like they just don't really go there. Mm-hmm. In a major forensic files moment, fucking red fibers from Paul's car. Maroon fibers. Because, of course, he drives like a maroon Ford something or other. Do you think they stopped making cars with red interiors for this specific reason? I I haven't seen one in a long time. I hope hearing about it on Forensic Files. They super fucking should. So they found these red fibers that were from Paul's car that matched red fibers found on Michelle and Angela. And these are the only two victims who had been kidnapped. So, like, we know they were in his car. We've got our guy. Mm-hmm. Scott, you know we're going to start a cover band called Maroon Fiber. The Maroon <gasps> Fibers. <laughs> ah! Yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. We'll sing about like, leaflets and oh. leaflets only. <laughs> she will be leafleted. She will be leafleted. <laughs> so, Paul Reed Jr. was convicted on seven counts of first-degree murder, receiving death sentences for all of his convictions. Because, honey, we are in Tennessee. They are not fucking around. Though he was set to be executed on April of ni- in April of 1999, his execution was stayed several times over the course of many years, including once in 2003 at the very last minute, like literally an hour before they're walking him to his fate. His did, execution he, did he already stayed. have his last meal then? I think you get a lot of last meals at that point. Were there 10,000 spoons and all he needed was a knife? He needed was a knife. I don't know. It is ironic. Mm. So his execution continued to be stayed through 2013 when Paul fell ill in prison and actually died of natural causes on November 1st, 2013 at Nashville General Hospital. Wow, what a luck. I know. His cause of death was determined to be a combination of complications due to pneumonia, heart failure, and upper respiratory issues. Bye. I'm a... 
I'm ah. against the death penalty, but I am not sad at all that he died of natural natural causes in prison. I'm against the um, death you, penalty, but I'm not against death. Right. Sometimes death is a mercy. Mm. And like in some interviews with the victims surviving loved ones, I mean, I think they all had similar sentiments. They were like, I'm kind of sad that I didn't get to see him go to his maker, the electric chair, basically. I mean, they weren't using the electric chair, but I think it was lethal injection. So like, I'm kind of bummed that I didn't get that moment of closure, but I am glad that he's fucking gone. And you know what? I am too. This guy's a piece of shit. Sorry, you died of pneumonia. Mm -hmm. Fucking bye. Maybe don't kill seven people who are just trying to fucking support themselves or their families or like save up for their fucking college fund on literal pennies at a Captain D's in fucking Nashville. No one's working at Baskin Robbins because they want to do that no. with their time. Yeah. Like, it's just some of the most... I'm really passionate about ice cream. I am too. But I would never work for a place to do just for my Big cream. No. They make you like big cream. Big I would cream. not work for big cream. They make you like sing when you get a tip at Goldstone. No. It's, a, it's a problem. It's disgusting. It's just really fucking sad. And I don't, uh, the only reason I wish he had lived longer is because I want some fucking answers as to like, what, how, why the fuck are you killing all these people you've never met? Like, you could just rob these stores at gunpoint and then fucking leave. Mm -hmm. Like, why did it escalate immediately? Mm -hmm. You know, to like the, it was the rate. Yeah, and it's like, just so insane. Really intense homicide, like execution yeah. style, tying people up, putting them in the back room. Like it's fucked up. It's I, really to what degree? To, I just like the violence of fast food and capitalism and our sort of like fast desire for quick um you know meeting our biological needs but like exceeding them at the same time there's just i mean is there a connection not there? to just like pull my cultural studies degree here let's go but i'm i just like fast food crimes it just feels like there's something quintessentially american about it mm -hmm. that sort of speaks to how empty there's like a neon actual... undercurrent <laughs> under the whole yeah. thing right you know what i mean I don't know. Something like off. super salty, very bright neon, uh, ultra energized. The way that bad lighting and fluorescence can affect our mental health High too needs to be true. studied deeper. I like truthfully, yes. Yeah, I mean, in my initial research, just trying to find a case to cover, there are a lot of articles about why like violent outbursts from guests. Of fast food restaurants, like, there's always shit going down in a fast food restaurant somewhere. Like, you know, every time a bell rings, someone's popping off in a fast food restaurant. There's got to be some, like, weird correlation study out there that I just skipped to well, talk about this murderer. It's the same psychology of making people hungry might be the psychology of making people fucking nuts. Mm, uh -huh. You know, like... Anyway, I think there's something to be said for that. Also, just kind of tying this in, we've talked about, obviously, Waffle House crimes right, in right. their open concept and the fact that it just, like, draws a bunch of really bad behavior for a, a myriad reasons. But mm -hmm. I'm thinking right now of, like, what's been exacerbated during the pandemic and right. airport travel and how when people feel like they're not in control of how quickly they move through the line or like who gets called first or whatever, people get so fucking pissed off. Right. And it's 
unbelievably, it's, it's unbelievable. And I think it's a unique, a uniquely American thing mm-hmm. that we feel like mm-hmm. we're entitled to our autonomy to such a degree that we deserve to get whatever the fuck we want, whenever the fuck we want it. And that's kind of fed by, fed, so to speak, by fast food. I want a burger that has 1,200 calories and I want it in less than 60 Six sec- seconds. 60 yeah, seconds. Yeah. So, and I, I, the reason I bring this up is like the case that I covered was like about corporate greed and PR and optics. Mm-hmm. And yours is about like really sad interpersonal death. But like those are two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. You know, it's so a microcosm of one or the other. They're yeah, both violent. Like, Exactly. Right. Like, and the actual violence that's happening to like people in South America whose, you know, economies and livelihoods are being destroyed because of, right. of McDonald's. Right. You know, it's like it's actually also violence. So yep. anyway, it's all connected, baby. Just your friendly neighborhood wine and crime reminder that <laughs> capitalism is m- murdering millions and millions of people. Anyway, that's my case. Love that we got Taco Bell <laughs> delivered during this episode. We oh, definitely oh, did. We annihilated it. Too. Yay, capitalism. Well, it's not a black and white issue. Exactly. <laughs> no. There's nuance there. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie Evans, and shout out to your gateway gal, Kelly. 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 Thank you for this amazing topic. I feel like we went we went in deep, and I loved we it. We did go in deep. And special thanks to Scott. Oh. For filling in that huge bra of Kenyans. That was a big bra to fill, and you filled it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I I thought I'd bring these these tits, and it worked out. With all 11 black bears, or however many are in there. Yeah, there's a I'll find them all. I love it. All right. I love it. I love you both. I love everybody listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.